I'm Jess. And I'm Wes. And we are the Ontario Wild Men. On this show, we travel back and revisit the significant. Whoa! On this show, we travel back and revisit the significant moments, the heroes, the villains, the legends, and all things professional wrestling in Ontario, Canada. West, we keep on rolling like a Tim Hortons cup, baby. Roll down the rim to win. Roll up the rim to win. We keep on going and going and going. We're coming back, episode seven. Off our biggest episode yet, our two-parter of Whipper Watson, buddy. We we uh, this is this is beyond awesome. Uh, I I seven episodes of of this doing what we love, talking what we love, sharing with everybody, and we are. I'm so I know you are too. So appreciative of all the people who've chimed in. Our numbers for an independent podcast, and I, I don't know nothing about that, but the numbers look awesome to me. I, I couldn't be happier. And this just means, like you said, you've already planned out 2022. We're looking at 2023 already. That's how dedicated we are. That's how passionate we are. It's unbelievable. Awesome. Yeah. I think I've planned out up to 2024 of just ideas of what we could do. Yeah. Just to say, yeah. so to That's say nice. that we don't take it serious. I try to stay as historical as possible and think of cool things that we could talk about for everything. But last month we talked about uh, Whipper Watson and our two-parter. Part one, we did up to 1959. Yeah, and then we did 1960 to basically his death. And it was just like I, overwhelming, overwhelming response to that one, man. And and the response on our Facebook pages of people replying about the episodes was phenomenal, too. And we just kept on posting Whipper stuff on our pages, and it just kept getting loved and loved and loved. Obviously, we, you know, we could never talk about how beloved he was or how great he was or anything, but everyone seems to really have enjoyed it uh, as much, just as much as you and I did planning it and you doing most of the research, which was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great resources out there, right? Like Slam Wrestling, you know, AC's uh, Maple Leaf Wrestling website. Lots of resources out there. Um, but to put it all together was actually really fun. And it get, it was a great lesson for me, too, right, to kind of learn where Whipper was, who he worked with. I mean, I it to me, Whipper Watson and Gene Kaniski go hand in hand. You know what I mean? He, probably he, the biggest, probably the biggest Canadian rival Ever? Like Canadian versus Canadian, would you think? Yeah, for sure, for sure, without a doubt, because they traveled right across the country. They wrestled at the numbers. What we mentioned, yeah. wrestling <clears throat> each other was phenomenal. Like one month they wrestled each other, what nine times was it? Like, yeah. oh man, back in the fifties. This is this is not in the cut and paste uh, cards of today, where the boys are just traveling around doing the same thing or even in the 90s or the 2000s or whatever, it, this was back when cards meant something and, and the boys were taking the show around the, around the country. Yeah, East, exactly. Coast to coast, baby. Uh, one thing about our uh, last episode is that we had a little bit of a mishap with our contest. Yes. Um, 
So my fault for saying one thing and doing something else. And then you listened to me and you, you said what I said, uh, which was wrong. So yeah, it's, it's, yeah. So we're going to make it up to everybody and we hope that this works this time. Yes. Um, so our email is Wes and Jesse wildman one at gmail.com, not hotmail. Yeah. So we're going to do something for everybody to make it up because we feel horrible about it. There was no way of fixing it. There was no way of editing it. And we don't blame anybody but me and Wes's miscommunication. So <clears throat> this episode and only this one episode, if you email the right email, Wes and Jesse Wildman one that's W-E-S-A-N-D-J-E-S-S-E W-I-L-D-M-A-N one at gmail.com and tell us what you think of the show any topics you want us to cover or ask a question for the show or request a match for what did you watch if you do that and provide us with your shipping information, you will receive a piece of wrestling history. And it is free shipping worldwide to make it up to all you guys for our big mistake last month on our episode. It it was it was a unfortunately we, we didn't do this paper wise. We did it vocally. So it just takes two seconds to say hotmail instead of Gmail or vice versa. And uh I feel bad. Some of our loyal list listeners, um, didn't you get my email yet? Didn't you get my email yet? It's like, you know what? Um, we're never going to get your email, not because of what you did, because of what we did. So, um, Jesse, I'm going to ask you a question right now about this. You're looking behind me, hopefully, and you can see what the wrestling room is looking like. Uh, it's taking place. There's yep. stuff on the walls. Mike, uh, see those yellow magazines. I own, I think one or two myself. I found at a comic book store. Yes. The, the, what, what, what? So yeah, we got enough stuff here. Hey, hey, quit peeking into my room, man. Uh, we got enough stuff here that, um, we can, uh, we can send out some really nice stuff to our, to our loyal listeners for sure. As long as you don't send me that reserved parking fans only Maple Leaf sign, bud. Oh, that's, um, that's, it's supposed to be scratched out. It's supposed to say Winnipeg Jets. Oh yeah, that's right. It's You're it's, it's never it's never going to say Winnipeg Jets ever. Yeah, so between me and Wes, we have a lot of stuff, and uh, we feel bad about what we did, and we want to make it up. So again, if you email Wes and Jesse Wildman One at Gmail dot com with a request of an episode, tell us what you think. You got to talk about our show and just let us know what you think. Request a match for us to watch. For our segment, what did you watch? Even if it's an independent match and it's on YouTube, we'll watch it and talk about it on the show. We have nothing, nothing against independent promotions. And if you're an independent guy listening to our show and you're like, hey, you should check these guys out and talk about it on your show, no problem, no problem doing that. We 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 want to stay um, as topical as possible, but yeah. on this note, we are history based, so. But we have absolutely no, I, I agree, excuse me, Jesse, I agree 100%. No, it's no issue at all whatsoever. Um, something that's on YouTube from last week even, hey, we're in. Yeah, I'm in. Um, okay, we have a big show today. We have our first ever special guest episode. 
Wes, do you want to tell everybody who our special guest is before we jump into the wrestling news? Sure. His name's Rob Fuego, and he has been a wrestler, trainer, and promoter in Ontario for a long time. I don't have his stats right in front of me, but that's okay. Um, he oh, can... I did some research. <laughs> Jesse did research? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, um, I've met Rob before uh, on something we'll talk about later in the interview uh, that's special to my heart, like crazy special, and we'll let him talk about that. But yeah, he's he's been he's been around and, he, and he's an awesome guy. Yeah, man, I can't wait to talk about that mm-hmm. later in the show. Uh, but before we get into all that, we got some uh, wrestling news to take care of. Ring of Honor going on a hiatus, releases talent. Um, Wes, what could this mean for the wrestling business, man? Ring of Honor, like a lot of big names came out of Ring of Honor. Even old timers like you. No guys that came out of Ring of Honor. I, I, I can I can't imagine. I really don't is it is it monetary? Is it um usually promotions at this time of the year are working up to big Christmas shows, whether they're pay per views or whatever. I, I I can't even surmise you know what what's your feeling? Um I've read a couple things. Uh I read that they just they're closing doors. Oh, like, heard that they, yeah, like completely. I've heard that they're just going to go on a hiatus and then rebrand maybe more fan based wrestling. Um, I also heard rumors of Vince McMahon buying Ring of Honor. Uh, I did ask on a Slam Wrestling uh, Facebook post, and Greg Oliver replied, I said, Is Vince buying Ring of Honor? And he said, No, but apparently the video library is for sale. Oh, so imagine that for companies like AEW or WWE who can add that kind of product to your streaming service. Because imagine having um, a company's like wide worth of Ring of Honor stuff. You're talking Seth Rollins from WWE. You're talking Cesaro, WWE, Kevin Owens from WWE. You're talking AEW superstars. You know what I mean? You're talking everybody that's a wrestler now on mainstream TV came from pretty much Ring of Honor once or twice. So in my eyes, if you're selling your your tape library, then it doesn't sound too good because that's I know that's a lot of money. And whoever's buying it, you know, has the rights to it, et cetera, et cetera. And it's been a big deal. It's been a big video library, whether it's TV shows like back in the day, uh, like Bill Watts. I know I think they sold their when Crockett bought out Watts back in the day. It was a big deal to get the tapes. And I've heard uh, Cornette talk about getting the tapes mm-hmm. or not or selling something, but not selling the tapes because he wanted to keep them. And, you know, down the road, is it? Is it uh, more worth worthwhile to close your company but keep your tapes for for resale? That would make sense to me because you've already got the tapes; they've already been produced; they're already there. Whereas mm. putting on shows everywhere costs a lot of money, and then you could get rid of all your talent. So doing it in reverse seems bizarre. But I I, I don't nothing. Ah, uh, yeah, I mean it's it's a shame, man. Yeah, but. Uh, there's a lot of big companies out there now for wrestling with like MLW, you have AEW on television, you have, you know, the New Japan freaks that are all over the world. Everybody watches New Japan. You got, you know, the Ontario promotions, the Quebec promotions, like 
there's just so much out there and Ring of Honor was like one of those steps, I think, to get to WWE or AEW, and it's yeah. a shame that they're yeah, for sure. Yeah, right. It's a yeah, it's a shame they're closing their doors or doing what. I hope they bounce back and do something, and another promotion erupts. But we'll see. I'm not too sure what's going to happen there. A hmm. uh, little controversy talking about WWE uh, surviving uh, surround surviving. Yeah, she's barely surviving now. Uh, surrounding Charlotte Flair. Did you see any of these articles I sent about you or anything like that? I, I've read a bit online. Uh, I, 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 I just don't get the controversy. I don't get the people maybe acting like their shit don't stink or what, whatever it is. Right. Um, yeah. What, what is, what is the problem here? Like there's, there's, well, they have a segment on SmackDown and, they're supposed to, because they did a draft, right? So WWE does a draft, right? And if you have Peacock or download the WWE network, it's all by seasons. They say season 1997, and then you can go through the uh, the season of 1997, right? Okay. It's just easier for people then to look up shows. Yeah. It's more convenient for anybody to look it up by year, right? Instead of saying, oh, WrestleMania 2 was here. It's like, oh, well, in 1985, here's all your <laughs> events. So doing the draft. Talent went everywhere. Becky Lynch, who's married to Seth Rollins, um, went to Raw because Seth Rollins went to Raw. WWE is all about keeping the marriages together, which is cool by me. I'm down yeah, for sure. that. Whatever. Um, but on on television, they're supposed to have like, here's the title, here's the title, whatever, right? Apparently, Charlotte Flair didn't follow the script and threw her title at Becky's feet. And it caused a huge verbal exchange backstage in front of like Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard, who are like, well, yeah. left and right hand pretty much, right? So even the girl that was involved, Sonya Deville, apparently she was also involved and she was like, let it like shoot fight Charlotte. She's like, dude, I will beat you up. Like, okay. I will fight you right now. So here's the dilemma. AEW is super hot right now. Yes. Can WWE afford to lose one of their biggest female attractions? Because you know, you know if Charlotte leaves WWE, she's going to go to AEW. Why? Her dad's a free agent. Her fiance, Andrade, whatever his name is over there, Andrade, he's really good. Mm Mm-hmm. I just forget what they changed his last name to. But Andrade is really good. He's in AEW. So what are you going to do? You're going to you're gonna let go of one of your top talents? The One of the girls who first headlined WrestleMania? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you're just going to say, oh, here, here's a gift. We're in a ratings war pretty much, even though WWE still win nationally because they're just a bigger company. But Bigger company, yes. But still, you think, look at everybody that's going there. It's going to be legit competition. So the and like, the – the thought process of losing a a name like Flair, but she's also half decent talent, right? So you're you're losing that name and the talent if if there's a problem. And I don't, you know, is is I always and the fans. Is it a work? Is it like you know? No. 
But this, this, what I, what I looked at and what I saw, it was not. So, and I trust you in saying and looking at what you would have looked at, right? So, it's, it's, it's weird. It's weird to me. And what, like I think it is, is people get too big for the britches. My name's Flair. I can do anything I want, even though it's not Ric Flair. It's only Charlotte. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, it's 2021, and no one can do whatever they want. It's just. Oh, exactly. You know, exactly. Right. So. so contracts and, and stipulations. I always, yeah, and I always laugh at these wrestlers. Right? You act so tough, but at the end of the day, you're just us that go to the gym. Mm-hmm. And you're professionally trained. Some of them are super tough. Some of them have legit backgrounds and all this, but it's just like, okay, like, we know why you're there. You know what I mean? Yeah, you worked hard, but at the end of the day, relax, bud. Especially, titles. especially in the WWF, uh, or E, sorry. You know, they've made a crazy part of their history, say, from WrestleMania 1 or just before that, 85 or 84, maybe even before 83, of someone who doesn't fit in the mold and they, quote, take the mask off him and put it on someone else. Yeah. They take the take the the gimmick off of that person and they might like how many freaking Toreadors did they have? You know, like. How many of these? How many of those? I mean, uh, just, just they could they could squish Charlotte Flair in a half a second, and and make up, you know, whatever Blair, right? <laughs> they can do it. He can do it. And uh, you know, I don't like seeing it. I don't like when it happens. But on the same note, if he's invested money and time in these creating these personas and these people just take it for granted that they do think that their shit don't stink, then, you know, poo poo on them because they're, they're being, uh, they're being assholes. Oh, by the way, um, um, did our moms dress us this morning? I have a red one on. Is yours red? Yeah. Look yeah. at us. Gray sweaters and red shirts. We and glasses. We just have opposite colored glasses. I just bought these. These are my newest dollar store glasses. I had these big frigging Elton John things the last couple of months. They look like a retard. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one thing I want to cover before we go to our first commercial, West, is that yep. I went to an independent show on the weekend. Oh, awesome. Good for you. And uh, you sent me some awesome pictures, and it was so nice to hear that you went out and took the time to go and um, take in the time for a show. Yeah, it was awesome, man. I had a great time on Halloween. It was on Halloween. Went to Mississauga, saw Destiny Wrestling. Um, I was going to go to Demand Lucha the day before, but I couldn't get tickets. And then, of course, our special guest said he could have got me tickets. So next time I'll be there, I swear. But Destiny Wrestling, uh, it was awesome, man. It was a TV taping. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so it was a TV taping. Um. They started the show with uh, Aiden Prince versus Kobe Durst in a cage match for the one of the Destiny titles. Okay. Fantastic. Aiden Prince is so good. Kobe Durst is so good. These guys are going to go somewhere, man. Yeah. They are. They, they have the look. They have the attitude. I mean, I believe what they do. You know, I believe that they hate each other. Yeah. There was blood in the ring. I think they did Kobe the blood the have, hard way. Does Kobe still have really long hair? Yeah, he's got long hair. Uh, he's no longer big and fat, actually. He cut down, and he's got, like, size. He looks, like, you know what I mean? He looks believed, like, you don't want to get in this guy's face. And he yeah. comes out, and he looks mean, and the crowd's booing him, and he's just looking around, and he's, like, What does he look like he weighs now? What do you think he weighs? 
Oh, I have no idea. Two? I can't. No, no, no. Maybe even more. Oh, really? Yeah, but it's muscle mass. Yeah, last time I saw him, he was kind of slender. Yeah, but no, he's super not slender. Talent. Super talent. And oh, yeah. one, of those, one of those faces, I mean, the guy's born heel. Oh, what a face. What an arrogance, right? Yeah, and it's just he walks in, like, with his size now. I'm just like, holy shit. And then him and Aiden Prince, right off the bat, man, they just got right into it. I loved it, man. It was awesome. Um, what else? Uh, Sabotage from Nova Scotia was there. I'd never even heard of them, but they were great. They were in a tag match. Uh, Shane Saber and somebody else. I forget the guy's name, but um, Sabotage was interesting. They came out with that biker look. Yeah. They had the long hair and they were like slow and, you know, at believable tough guys, to be honest. I liked it. I liked what they did in the ring. I hope they come back to Ontario and um, I'll be trying to follow them going forward. Von Vertigo and Lionel Knight was great. I like Von Vertigo. He's a good kid. He's like 24 or something. He's a young kid. But he's got the look. He's got the attitude. He does his own little promotion called Backyard Pro Wrestling. I think I show, I told you about that before. Yeah. Uh, Scott Demore was in the building. Okay. As soon as I seen Scott Demore, I was like, all right, something big is going to happen tonight. I was like, I got that Sam much Nick feel. He's in the building. You know, he's in the building. Something's going to happen tonight. It's a TV taping, and he's here. So something is going to go down. I didn't know that um, that he knew your buddy, though, Terry. Yeah, they were they were pals. They, they, they've known each other, like, when he was training. Really? Training, yeah. So they've known each other. They, they had known each other for a long time. And it's too bad because um, – you, you could have had a chance to speak with him, but that's okay. Next time, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to talk to him and get his autograph, but, you know, there's a long line. Show yeah. started. He was busy. I'm sure he's busy doing everything, and then he was talking to people, and I had to drive a kid home, so I was like, whatever. Like, not a big deal. Hopefully, he, he's around this area, so I'm sure the opportunity will arise again. Did they do um, any interviews uh, out by the ring, or was it all done inside, do you think? Like, uh, the, well, Scott Demore came to the ring a couple of times and he talked on the microphone. Uh, some wrestlers talked in the ring. Just they set up the next show, match against each other for the next month kind yeah. of deal. A okay. hair versus mask match. Okay. Just, it's going to be good, though. Yeah. I think so. El Reverso and uh, Gabriel Fierza or Fierza or whatever you say it. I've seen El Reverso before, too. Yeah. No, oh, have you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's doing a mask versus hair mask. So, hey, not bad. Mm -hmm. uh, Jordan Grace and Lufisto was there. Do you Have you ever seen Lufisto or Lufisto? No. Jordan Grace is from Impact and stuff. Lufisto has apparently been around for a while. But I met Jordan Grace. That was the female I sent you, the Jack girl. Yeah, she was jacked all right. Buddy, she's, they call her Big Mama Pump. Yeah, like you're not kidding. A little bit on the close to being... Um, uh too much she is massive strong talented i love the match though it was great uh the main event though was why uh it was supposed to be josh alexander versus luke gallows or doc gallows yeah uh doc gallows got denied for his covid passport well he had his covid shot and everything but his digital negative test digital one they didn't accept it so he couldn't get across the border okay so they had Mike Bailey 
and Josh Alexander. Now, remember, I saw, I think I told you last time I went to Destiny, I saw Josh Alexander and Mike Bailey, and I loved it. So for me, Scott DeMore even said, if you're not happy, I'll give you your money back myself, right? After a few matches, if you're like, this is not good, I'll give you my money back. And he's like, I'll pay you your money back myself. And I'm just like, well, I'm not going to get my money back. I don't care, right? I'm, I'm not that guy. I don't care. Besides that, Mike Bailey, I'm a huge fan of Mike Bailey, and it was kind of cool because I was right. Because at the end of the show, Scott, uh, the stipulation was if he didn't beat Josh Alexander, he didn't get an impact contract. Well, he didn't beat Josh Alexander, and then Scott Demore, Josh Alexander cut a promo, and then jo- Scott Demore came to the ring and talked some more and offered Mike Bailey a contract because Mike Bailey is probably one of the best unsigned performers in the country. Okay, cool. And he's, and he's restricted from the States, right? Yeah. So now signing to Impact, Scott's going to get him the work visa, and there we go. Another successful Canadian hitting the uh, mainstream market. Awesome. Be, yeah, man. How, how was Josh? Josh is fantastic. He He's so technically sound, and he's so good. And his little boy was there dressed up as dad for Halloween and stuff. Yeah. It was kind of cute. And, like, there's a bunch of other podcasts. Uh, like, the mini host was there. Her and her dad do a podcast. Uh, a boy named Steven, apparently he had a couple brain surgeries or something like that, or, but he's a big wrestling fan. Uh, it was cool to see all the kids dressed up in, in their costumes as their favorite wrestlers. I seen a girl dressed up as Adrian Adonis. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so it was pretty good, man. So I just, you know, I'll take that and thank destiny and all the destiny team. And for a great time, I really had a great time and I can't wait to go back. Good. Uh, Let's get to our first commercial bite, and then we'll get into what did you watch. Be sure to follow the Dynasty Wrestling Podcast Network and all of the participating podcasts on social media. The easiest way to find us is on Twitter. You can follow the network at WrestlePods, and you can find all the individual shows at their Twitter accounts. You can find the Wrestling Nostalgia Show at Nostalgia. The Ring-A-Ding-Dong-Dandy podcast at Stampede Pod. And the Wild Men podcast at Wild Men Podcast. Also search us on Facebook for pages and groups. Participate, interact, join the network, and be a fan. Thank you for your support. Welcome back, and it's time for What Did You Watch? Come on. Watch, 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 watch. What did you watch? Watch, watch. What did you watch? Watch, watch. Watch, watch. What did you watch? Watch. Wes, I <laughs> so sent you I, something that was pretty cool, man. You, you did. I? I, I, you know what? The stuff you're sending me, Jesse, brings back so many memories. And you know, I could poo-poo all these guys. I could complain and bitch and moan, but uh, you know what? Hogan was such a force. You know. I was an NWA guy in Toronto here, and you know, like I loved it, and I loved when the Mid Atlantic came here. But when the WWF took over, and Hogan was coming to Toronto on a pretty much regular basis because they had to because they needed to fill up the gardens, right? It was incredible. He had so much charisma. So you know, we're talking about wrestling, and we're talking, but we're also talking about gimmicks. And, you know, we're going to talk about the Sheik eventually, right? And, like, yeah. the guy didn't do nothing in the ring, nothing, nothing except jab and run and and just crap, right? 
he wasn't a wrestler. He was just a guy. And I'm watching Hogan in this match, which is uh, uh, 1996 Hollywood Hogan versus Macho Man Randy Savage from Halloween Havoc, right? And and I, I remember seeing this. I do. And, and you know what? Two of the biggest 80 stars, though. It's awesome. They, they, yeah, it was a, it wasn't. A, these guys aren't going to give you a technical match together. Savage were Steamboat might or Roberts or DiBiase, but not Hogan and Savage. And like the ducking out and the the stalling and the like, some of the parts were stupid, like the glasses. Like I would have <laughs> slapped them in the head myself, right? But um, I enjoyed it. I thought that these two guys did what they did for the show and for the title and for the match and for the pay-per-view and everything they needed to do um, was, was hundred percent. I really enjoyed it. And the Liz thing, eh, well, whatever, it made sense, right. To, to have her involved. And she did a pretty good job by the way, because word was that, you know, she didn't like getting involved because she, she had problems with script and stuff. So I hear but the only downfall, and, and it, it's 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 a craw in a lot of people's jaws that have been longtime fans, when the ref steals the heat, that blows it, just completely blows it. Just completely. Now, now, for fans that don't know what you're talking about, and like younger fans are like, oh, what does he mean? Why don't you give an example of that? So, so um, they had a ref bump. The, the regular ref goes down. And they had already mentioned, they had already mentioned the announcers, and Heenan was one of them. I don't know who the other two guys were. They had already mentioned that Nick, after Nick Patrick got hurt last week, so you knew something was coming up. So yeah. Nick, Nick Patrick is uh, one of the senior referees of WCW at the time. He comes running to the ring, and he's got a neck brace on. So uh, one of the guys was pitting someone else. I, I, it was Savage pitting Hogan, right? So the rep, Nick Patrick gets in the ring and he slams one and he slams two and he goes to slam three and oh he grabs his neck because he's got a neck brace on because he was injured last week and then he falls over and then like it's like oh my god and you you know he did a good job of it I mean it was plausible to a certain degree but he stole the complete heat from the show that you know these these are two of the biggest wrestlers of all time and some puny ref is stealing the heat. I I I thought it was pathetic, and they they and they even kept focusing on him, like after the fact, like if he's like a third wrestler, like you know when some a wrestler comes in to interfere, it's usually for a special reason, and it's a wrestler, not a referee. It was pathetic, but the match was great. Uh, can you? What do you think of their like? Do you think they're slower in the nineties? Like, can you compare Hogan Savage in ninety six to maybe like eighty six? Like you're. Hogan. You say technical match, like, yeah. would you think this Halloween Havoc match was better than the WrestleMania 5 match when it was Hogan and Macho? I think I'm pretty sure, yeah. I, I think that um, because of different times, different company, different settings, two guys were, roles were reversed. Yeah, you know, NWO was the biggest thing. In yeah, 90, it was like, a huge, right? It was such a huge thing. And so a lot of times heels don't have to do as much as faces do which was reversed for Savage when he was a heel because he was the guy who was carrying the match because he could. Hogan couldn't. And, and I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And like I said, you know what? It's 
when I start seeing this thing, this, I'm not going to go search it myself. But when you send me something like this to watch, and I, please, please just keep sending me stuff like this, because you know what? It's going to reinvent my memory on what I did actually see, not being judgmental. It was a great match. Unfortunate about the ref, but it was a great match. These guys did what they had to do for a pay-per-view and everything, the strutting, the posing, the jumping out of the ring, all the, even DiBiase being at ringside, and with Liz, too. I get it. No no problems at all, but when the ref steals the heat. It was like a flashback of an 80s match. It's Savage and Hogan. Well, a flashback of the Hebners and, and when they used to do the double switch because they were twins, right? Oh, okay. There you Earl go. Hebner, the two referees from the early days of WWF pay-per-views and stuff. What? Um, yeah, so, you know, I talked to Jim Conley, who's uh, one of our friends, and he's been refing now for about 20 years. Yeah, old school. Uh, old school, yeah. And and he says, you know, I I they've asked me to do this and they've asked me to do that. I don't want to get involved. I don't want to get, I don't want to take any heat away from the wrestlers. It's their job. I'm just the ref. Now I've seen him do subtle things, like really subtle things. Or a and couple, I've seen him smash a beer can over his head. <laughs> yeah, after the after the match. Yeah, but um, no, during oh, the match, him, John Samson, and Nunzio okay. went like this, triple cheers, shoved a beer, and then. Oh. Just went bang, bang, and the, okay. <laughs> the beer went everywhere and started bleeding on the floor. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, Jim. Oh, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> We've, I've, known, I've known Jim since, like, since the oh, early man. 80s, and, and to see a guy who's basically just a tiny bit older than me doing following his passion is also another thing that's it's so cool to see, and, and I love seeing people follow their passion like what we're doing, which is fantastic. What um, what were you um, scheduled to see? Okay, so I was supposed to watch something, but then I told you about some old school stuff on the WWE Network. Yes. And you're like, give it a go. So I went to – so for people who have WWE Network in Canada, I went on my bell box. I put in and searched WWE On Demand, right? And then you go to the in-ring section. And then there's an old school section. And I'm like, oh, this is new, added to my TV. And it was Madison Square Garden, 1984. And I'm oh. like, okay, well, I have to watch this. Like 1984? Yeah. Like a whole tape show from 1984? Yeah. Cool. That's what I'm saying. There's four or five more episodes I got to watch. Okay. So this one. Uh, it, it started off with, like, some guy I didn't know. I, for, I should have wrote his name down. Versus Tonga Kid. Okay. Tonga Kid was uh, Jimmy Snuka's uh, buddy, right? Replacement slash son slash cousin slash whatever. Yeah, whatever. He's <laughs> on Dark Side of the Ring. Um, Some of the matches that stood out to me, though, were one was Rocky Johnson, Tony Atlas, Ivan Putski, Versus Roddy Piper, Paul Orndorff, and Dr. David D. Schultz. Okay. I was just like, damn. And, like, Rocky Johnson and Putski and Atlas, they're just jacked. Yeah. You just see, all you see is muscle on these guys. And then Piper struts out, eh? And he's got, eh, the crowd just boos the shit out of him. 
He's got police officers walking him to the ring. He's got this arrogant, smug look on his face. Yeah. And he's strutting, chewing, kind of strutting and mobbing his head. And look at me, I'm king shit. And I'm just like, dude, this, I've never seen anything like this. Like, uh, Piper was always a good guy in my life, right? That's right. Yeah. So to see him, like, strut down like that and, like, the first, I think the first taste of heel Piper was WrestleMania 1. Yeah. That, I, that I would know of. Yeah. And then I don't know who you consider a heel or face in the boxing match at WrestleMania 2 for Piper versus Mr. T. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you look at you laughing, eh? You remember so, that? So that's that's pretty interesting. Uh, six pretty interesting guys. And yeah. Um, Dr. David I, C. Schultz was at a WWF shortly after. Yeah. Because of that whole. Um, John Stossel thing. Yeah, he slapped John Stossel. The, and that's yeah. the only reason. And that's, I hate bringing this up in the Wildman group, but it's true. Guys, my age and my era know Eddie Mansfield through the John Stossel stuff. Yep. Right? We don't know him for working for the Wildman and being a talented wrestler. We know him for exposing the business and saying, hey, this is how they blade. And like, we're like, what the fuck? Like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you weren't, if you were, if you didn't know that, you watch that show, you would have went berserk. Absolutely. Well, I'm losing you there. Tito Santana. Versus, yep. What's that? Go ahead. Yeah, we lost each other there for a second. Tito Santana versus J.J. Dillon for the Intercontinental title. Now, it's cool to see J.J. Dillon in the ring because I only know him as a manager. Yeah, yeah, that's strange. And yeah, he was. I mean, what was he doing managing there? Even he was an NWA guy, which is he was yeah. in the he was in the ring apparently. Yeah, so yeah, and we we know he's a wrestler, but yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm not a big Tito Santana fan. Never have been. I don't know. Uh, he's a nice guy, and I'm sure he gets it over. Look at you, drop your head and shake your head. <laughs> uh, he he was he was talented. Um. I, I could care less. He knew, didn't ever do anything for me whatsoever. Although him and Valentine wrestling for the intercontinental belt back and forth was a big deal back in the day. Also big, big, and they belt changed hands in London, which was really cool. Oh, wow. That's kind of yeah. cool. So what did you, uh, what another did you match about, was that was sorry. No, go ahead. What were you going to say? What do you think about um, Ivan Putsky's talent? Or it non-existent? Was good. Um, they were just these big guys, man. They're just big and they slam. And I find back in the eighties, it's all about, oh, look, I am big and stuff. So look at I sell by power slamming you to the mat. Yeah. Right. I slam you to the mat. I kick you or whatever. Right. It was and Rocky Johnson being the, the Rock's dad, I was like, oh damn. You know I, what I mean? Like he, he was like, uh, I thought he was fantastic all the times I ever saw him. Talent. Really good talent, uh, and man, he could throw a drop kick. Oh my God, him and Sweet Daddy Seeky were two best, two of the best drop kick artists. Rocky Johnson was like parallel to the ground, like his drop kicks were amazing. Talent, really, eh? legs were huge. He was huge. Um, yeah, pretty. He was a great talent. I, I, I liked him. Um, plus, he's uh, he's uh. A rel- uh, brother of one of our group members, Ricky Johnson, who wrestled for the for the Wild Man. So yeah, yeah, 
And I sat my at favorite his, match. I sat at his table with uh, at one of the Titans dinners, so that was pretty cool. Oh, perfect. Not to talk with him. Go ahead, your yeah, favorite. I want Greg to have. I want Greg to have another Titans dinner. <laughs> Uh, my favorite match, though, was Sergeant Slaughter versus Iron Sheik. Okay. These I, guys beat the hell out of each other in that ring. Yeah. The crowd was nuts, dude. They went crazy. Like, the Sheik's strutting around. The Sheik's, like, big, and they're beating the hell out of each other. And then at the end of the match, like, they're in the back beating the shit out of each other in the back. And, like, okay. all you see is young Vince McMahon get involved, and they're, like, screaming, you motherfucker. I'm going to kill you. I'll get you. And like, they're not bleeping it out. And I'm just like, yo, man, like it's like legit a shoot. Like these guys want to kill each other. So I got like wrestlers holding each other back and everything. And Sergeant Slaughter and Iron Sheik are trying to break apart. They're beating each other. It was nuts, man. Slaughter, Slaughter was for a few years. He was in the top 10 every year because he had so much talent. He had so much talent to put guys over, make make the baby faces look good, and he was such an arrogant heel. You know, it's kind of silly when you look like that and they make you into a baby face because yeah, you, yeah. you just don't look the part. Um, <laughs> I read something in an article, one of these old school bulletins a few weeks ago about, wow, look at Iron Sheik. His belly button must weigh five pounds. Uh, oh my god! Because his belly button was stuck out so much, right? Because he drank so much beer or whatever he did, his gut just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Anyways, <laughs> uh, the main event the main event was Greg the Hammer Valentine versus Bob Backlund. Okay. And I'll, I'll be the first to admit you're not gonna be happy. I just I don't get Bob Backlund, man. I never have. He's just a wrestler, I guess. But I, even in the '90s, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I don't get this guy, man. I I. But, I had the chance to see him once, and um, I think I bought tickets for the card, but never went. Something more important came up. That, that never did anything for me, ever. To, I, right? Not, knock his talent, for sure. Um, and, and the complete and utter baby face, like, just so crazy, but uh, baby face. But I just, oh, man. I, I, I don't know. He, it, it's like he was always waiting to put a hold on choreographing okay put your arms up now i'm gonna do a colored elbow hook up i know it wasn't in slow motion but it was everything was like choreographed with him and i don't know if that was because he was so technically sound because he was such a collegiate guy or his training from vergania or I, I i don't know i just same there give me greg valentine versus greg valentine any day of the, of the year and i'll watch the match he he could he could do nothing and just get in the ring and talk and I, I I'd watch him. I love Greg Valentine. He was fantastic. Right from seeing him when he was like seventeen or eighteen years old. He he's Yeah, I, I like his old stuff before he was Honky Tonk Man's tag partner. Yeah. Or the the rhythm and blues. Yeah. They they had to they had to put someone with honky that could do something. Yeah. I, no, I, I, did you ever see the famous uh, rival between Greg the Hammer and Roddy Piper? Didn't that come to Toronto? Oh, I'm sure they wrestled in Toronto, yeah. Did you ever see them? No, not against each other, no. 
No, okay, okay. I was I just saw, curious. I saw Valentine uh, at, at do um, defend the uh, Intercontinental title once in Toronto, and it was uh, I think it might have been Rocky Johnson. I can't remember what it was, and he he just walked out of the ring and and um, got counted out. Which, oh, okay. Which was a bit of a crappy ending, but yeah, I like them. Yeah. I like. Well, guys, if you have anything that you want us to watch, like you said, we're a history show. But, again, we're not open to helping independent wrestlers get noticed. And we'll talk about the match or whatever, what we like. Or, and, um, you can email us at wesandjessewildman1 at gmail.com. Uh, we're also on Twitter at wildmanpodcast. Um, and our Facebook groups ontario wrestling clippings of the past and the wild man tribute page and we have a new one but we're going to talk about that a bit later yeah but until then let's get to our second commercial and then we'll be back with uh rob awesome grand river t is proud to be sponsoring the ontario wild man wrestling podcast produced by dave dynasty podcast network with Wes and Jess providing the Ontario wrestling historical content, Grand River Tea is providing their tea of choice, Dropkick Yopon. An ancient plant grown wild in the southern United States, Yopon is the only caffeinated plant native to North America. It has been used by Native Americans and early settlers in North America for decades. It's organic, sustainably wild, harvested, and pan-picked, and is only touched while growing by sunshine and rain. Dropkick Yopon is a medium roast tea that has amazing aroma of maple and a beautiful golden color when brewed either cold or hot. Here at Grand River Tea we take our sourcing seriously and we want to reduce our carbon footprint and make our teas as sustainable as possible. All our loose leaf teas are gluten free, vegan, dairy free and have no sugar. So put your kettle on and enjoy some Grand River Tea. Ladies and gentlemen, fans of wrestling, with us now is a well-known name in the Ontario independent circuit, Rob. Welcome to the show, buddy, and thanks for coming out and joining me, Wes. No problem. Happy to be here. The uh, We're um, excited to talk with you on, on many angles, Rob, because, uh, hey, you're, you've been around a little bit, and, and most people in Ontario are going to know you. We're not eccentric to just to Ontario, but we're hoping to blow this right all over the North America eventually. So we could get you gigs like in California or, oh, Mexico. You ever wrestled in Mexico? <laughs> um, yeah. What, uh, when that, were you a wrestling fan when you were a kid? Yeah, as far as I know, <clears throat> I've been a wrestling fan ever since I was a little guy. Uh, back in uh, where I where I was born in uh, Uruguay, South America, and uh, according to my mother, my earliest well, I don't want to say my earliest. I kind of remember, but she said I was like infatuated with a wrestler known as the Mummy. Okay. He's big, great guy, dressed up like a mummy, right? And I would imitate him, you know, I'd put my arms out like the mummy and go around like the mummy apparently and take bumps and, you know, throw myself around 
And uh, funny enough, years later, years later, I was thinking about that and I sort of went on a Google search and I found very old footage of uh, some guy dressed up. A few people had dressed up over the years back in the, you know, 50s, 60s and 70s as the mummy, specifically in the South America, Central America area. I don't know if that was the same guy I saw, but I, it, I'm sure it probably was. We've, so we've, I, seen, we've seen that pretty cool. And we've yeah. seen clippings from uh, um, Central and South America of, and I can't remember the promoter's name. He's got a really cool name, and he's a uh, long hair kind of guy. Um, but we did see a mummy. I've seen pictures of a mummy from back then, but there was, of course, one in, like, the Central States back in the 70s. Yeah, yeah. 70s. of course, yeah. His name was... Even, uh, even, even in the Memphis area, I believe, like Jerry Lawler wrestled the mummy. Uh, you know, I'm sure oh, he did wow. both circuits down there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. When did you come to Canada, Rob? I came in the early 70s. I want to say 1971. So I was about four or five years old there. Yeah, Wes was already like 23, so it's all yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Wes are about the same age anyway. So, so do, you, do, you have, um, do you have any memories of wrestling when you first came here? Well, yeah. Here, I want to say, because I do recall, and I, I guess I can – can, can confirm it now wrestling when i was growing up was always on very late at night 11 30 sometimes midnight uh depending on you know what show you were watching i know i caught a few times like uh the old george cannon show every now and then and uh and some old awa wrestling stuff but you know wrestling back then like i said it was uh uh, and it was, sometimes it was on the weekends on the like in the afternoons but as a kid you're outside playing all the time on the weekends you know what i mean yeah. you're not inside and so you know and back then you had what three four channels if you're lucky right yeah, exactly the early yeah. 80s and in the in the 70s right and tv wasn't a big thing unless you know after dinner you'd watch you know the six million dollar man happy days whatnot yeah but like i said wrestling for the most part was on late at night Indeed, and, so, and, and like I was wrestling here, clips of it here and there, and I'm like, I, oh yeah, I loved it. I watched whatever I could, whatever I knew it was on, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's and your favorite wrestler? What's that? Who's your favorite wrestler? Oh well, let me think now. Back when I was a little kid, I don't think I had too many. Like, like I said, uh, and what what I like to do is uh, like I like I said, I didn't catch it a lot on TV back then because it was so sporadic right the, the the times and and but i used to love looking at the wrestling magazines yeah right there was always two or three of them in the stores and i'd rifle through them you know and uh you know i was just drawn to i think guys like obviously andre the giant and uh rick flair you know guys like that right mm-hmm. those i think were rick flair i think it was a constant favorite growing up and not that I saw a lot of footage of him. And when I did catch glimpses of here and there, and you know, I'd be like, wow, that's him, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I never got to see him uh, live until, like, way later, right? I never caught him at the gardens or nothing like that. But, uh, yeah, I would say Ric Flair. Yeah. Wes always tells machine. me that when Ric Flair came to Toronto, he could do no wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Rick Ric Flair in Toronto was – so some guys that came here at Maple Leaf Gardens that – they were heels over everywhere else, but they just were 
absolved by everybody. Just they were sucked in and everybody loved Flair. And it was, uh, well, talent just goes to show, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, heard, I even heard a story like uh, I wasn't there, though, uh, when uh, Mosca was doing those Mosca manias. I think the first one, first or second one, they had Ric Flair versus Dusty Rose in the main event. And Dusty was trying to get over as a babyface, and people were just booing him. They hated him. They had to switch halfway through the match, you know, heel and face, because it wasn't going anywhere. So Rick had to turn. He did everything he could to, you know, heal on Dusty, but people kept loving it. So they had the switch mid, I was midway there, through I match, and I have pictures, and and it's you can see in one of the pictures, and I posted the pictures before on some of the wrestling pages. Um, Dusty and Flair are standing across the ring from each other, and it's uh, you can tell that there's something going on, and telepathically because they're ta- so talented, so creative, you can telepathically they're saying to each other, "Okay, we gotta we gotta switch this up," because a baby baby doll was. Uh, one of the managers and, and it, it just, it completely flipped. It was bizarre, but also half the crowd was there to just to see Ric Flair anyways, whether he was good guy or bad guy. Yeah. Cool. Definitely. Uh, so, Rob, when did you decide to get into the wrestling business? Um, I decided I always wanted to be a wrestler, right? But being only like five foot eight at best, <laughs> <laughs> I, I never because the guys back then were big, right? They were like not, not necessarily in shape, but just big men, yeah. big guys. You never saw a guy too small back then, right? And if he did, he was getting squashed every week on TV. That's right. You know, other than the midgets, right? Uh, guys are big, burly guys, and I never thought I could be a wrestler until until uh, it was uh, the first. Well, it was the lead up to the first Super Brawl pay-per-view WCW. They were promoting Jushin Thunder Liger. Yep. Right? And I'm like, whoa. I go, this guy doesn't look very tall. <laughs> doesn't look yeah. very big. <laughs> and then when I, you know, they were showing highlights. And then when I saw the match that he did with Pillman, I'm like, whoa. If, and then, you know, they kept going on about how tall he was and how much he weighed. I think they weighed him at 212, you know. Uh, five foot six or seven right i'm like you know what i'm gonna give it a shot so uh i started researching wrestling gyms well researching back then you know (laughs) you you tried to find something in the back of the wrestling magazines every now and then you'd see a an ad for a school right the only one i knew of was in calgary that was in the magazines all the time uh until a friend of mine a high school friend of mine told me, hey, I was just watching YTV, and they uh, they just did a little episode on some wrestling gym in the city, in Toronto. I was living in Downsview at the time when I was researching, you know, which research means, you know, talk to friends and, you know. So I, uh, and he said he saw something about it being at Sully's Gym. That's all he could remember, right? And seeing back then, you know, he, he couldn't, you know, uh, PVR anything or go back and, and check. Yeah, <laughs> right. And I believe, I believe, I looked up the number for YTV and I, I got it and I, I called them. I asked them. I think I made a couple of calls and they said, yeah, it's at Sully's, you know, boys, uh, boys, uh, boys boxing gym downtown. And I looked it up, got the number, right, and uh, called. 
you know, went to the payphone and called. <laughs> and uh, I called during the week, I believe, and that's when the boxing guys were there. And they said, oh, no, call back on the weekend, right? Yeah. And so I did. You know, I waited at the end of the week. I called, and uh, somebody answered the phone. It was sweet daddy Siki. Like, hello, this is Sully's Jim. Right? Kind of sounds like that. And, uh, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I asked him, I go, yeah, I'm interested in joining your program. What's it all about? What's, you know, give me the details. And he didn't give me any details at all. He's like, well, we're going to have to have you come in and we're going to have to talk to you and give you an interview. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, okay. When can I come in? And I think we set up a date. I went down. Actually, I, yeah. So I went down and, uh, you know, it was down behind the old Lamport Stadium in this old warehouse of a building, three or four stories high. They actually filmed the, the movie The Fly there. Okay. Yeah, it was Steve Goodberg. Steve, not Steve Goodberg. What's that guy's name? Jeff, Jeff Goldblum. Uh, Jeff Goldblum. That's right. I get the always feels too confused. Anyway, so here I am. I see the they got a huge sign on the outside of the building. Sully's Gym, boxing, this and that. And all the bottom said pro wrestling. I'm like, oh, I guess I'm at the right place. So I, I, I walk up the, the three flights of these sketchy stairs in this old warehouse and find, find this warehouse. There's all warehouse rooms up there. And, you know, I go in there and I, and there's sweet daddy Siki. The funny thing is I recognized him. I never saw him wrestle up until, you know, years later, but I did recognize him because I used to box a little bit at the old Sully's gym down on Ossington. And I remember seeing this, you know, huge black guy with blonde hair wearing a purse, you know, in the eighties, it's like, well, what is this? Right? Yeah. <laughs> And, and the you know the guys in the class, the boxing. Oh, that's a sweet Tepsiki. He's a wrestler. I go. I've never heard of this guy in my life. He's not a wrestler. You're just some freak off Queen Street or something. Anyway, <laughs> so I'm like, oh, that's this is the guy. I'm thinking he didn't look much different than he did like you know 10, 15 years ago when I was you know in, in grade school. Uh, by now I'm I'm out of high school, right? I'm uh, I'm actually I started late. I started when I was about 24, 25. So anyway, they give me the, they, they sit me down and, uh, they, you know, they, they ask me a whole bunch of questions. Like, why do I want to be a wrestler and this and that? And, you know, and, uh, and I guess they took a liking to him, him and Ron Hutchison, right? We're there. And they said, okay, I guess, uh, I could start. And I think they told me to start in a week or two. And that was it. Right. They told me how much it costs and what we have to do there and how long it's going to take or. And that was that. I was off to the races. And uh, for the first six months, I was, it was a living hell training there. Yeah, really, eh? The ring was built into the corner of the gym, into the two walls. And, you know, so that was the, you know, the two corners there, or three corners, you're saying. And they connected to a, a, a huge beam that was in the middle of the room. And they just strapped uh, <laughs> ropes in between, and that was it. Wow. Right? The, the, it wasn't a ring. It was just something they made out of wood and, and uh, carpet underneath that, that you know, resembled a ring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was like the stiffest thing you ever saw. And the first bump, first fall I ever did, I think I just like almost blacked out. It was horrible. Yeah. At least for the first six months, it was like just constant pain. And we only did the, we only trained on the weekends for like two hours, Saturday and Sunday. At 10 o'clock, 10 to 12. And uh, so, yeah, for the first six months, I was coming home every day, every weekend, I should say, 
elbows all bruised, knees all bruised, sore, always sore. Yeah. And I, after six months, I'm telling, asking the other guys, I'm like, am I doing something wrong? I'm like in pain all the time. Like, no, it's just this ring. You'll get used to it. And they always told us, if you can bump in this ring, you can bump in any ring in the world. And I'm like, okay. The only other ring, the only other ring just as stiff as that are some of the training rings out in Mexico. Same okay. thing. Stiff, stiff, concrete. And uh, that was it. And that's how I started. Do you, do you remember when you got the green light to work in a match? Yeah, it took about, about a year, a year and a half after I started training. Right? Um, we did, uh, Ron would do this show every year at Monarch Park in uh, in the Danforth area in Toronto. If you're from Toronto. Yeah, you're I know where Monarch Park is. is. That's where your is up there. Right. I found out later because Ron just lives down the street from there. That's probably why he did it. <laughs> I'm all places, right? I'm like, why are we here? I didn't know no idea where I was. I'm from the west end of Toronto. This is totally the east end. I've never been there. I'm like, where am I? Anyway, so, yeah, I gave you there because we had an odd number of guys in the gym. So I was in a tag match. It was three on two. It was, uh, gosh, who was it? was me, this other kid named Shane, I can't remember the other third guy, against, uh, well, I can't remember what he was calling himself. I think he was calling himself Joe Sampson at the time, which ended up being Joe Legend, and another kid named Adam uh, Impact Copeland at the yeah. time. Well, he wasn't, he wasn't Sexton back then? No, gosh, no. No, no. He was only like uh, 17 years old. I don't think he was going to be calling himself Sexton. Anyway. Skinny so, kid, right? What's that? Skinny kid. Yeah, and uh, that was our first match. Yeah, out there in some park in Scarborough. No, Danforth, sorry. In front of, I don't know, 50 people, 100 people tops, I guess. That was it. That was the first match. Did your perspective of the wrestling business change when you started to train? Like, of the wrestlers, of the promoters, or how anything worked? Well, honestly, back then, you didn't know anything. Like, okay, you know, I saw, obviously, 2020, the 2020 episode with uh, John Stossel, you know, getting slapped around. and We just talked you know, about that. I knew of, you know, what goes. And everything. Yeah, I knew, you know, about that, right? And, uh, but I had no idea. I, I assumed, in my mind, if you're, if you're a good wrestler, if you're athletic, you know, you look good and you can, you know, you can move around in the ring that, boom, automatically everything will be great. Yeah. I had no idea. I had no idea there was way more to it than that, mm-hmm. right? Obviously, you need, you need to know the right people. You need to be in the right spots. You have to politic. You have to backstab. You got to, you know what I mean? Do whatever it takes to make it. And, to, and, uh, and I thought for sure everybody in the wrestling business made money, tons of money. Yes, yes. I thought, man, that's it. As soon as you start wrestling, boom, the money's going to come rolling in. Yeah, right. Uh, right. <laughs> so, yeah, like I knew about the, how the business worked in a sense of what we do in the ring and stuff like that, obviously. Not to the extent of, you know, like all the pain and suffering that goes into the training, obviously. You didn't know that. But because uh, I, I was I wouldn't say I was super athletic, but I was very uh, I, I picked up fairly quick. Right. I was like a pretty good to average uh, uh, athlete myself, right? And uh, I remember they, uh, 
when I decided to get into wrestling, a year before I actually wanted to like look at look for a gym, I tried to hit the gym as much as I put as much weight on as I could. I think I got up to about 190, 195 pounds uh, just from working out and eating a lot. So, you know, but I had no idea, like I said before, what it takes to actually make it in the wrestling business and how you how far you can go. You know, I just thought if you're good, if you train hard, you look good. Duh, it's a no brainer, right? I thought it was hockey. If you're good, you're going to get drafted, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's not quite the same in wrestling. No. So um, when you started um, traveling, not necessarily traveling around, but by being promoted by Ron or whatever he was doing at the time. Um, he buzzed. Hey. <laughs> Who were some of the names that uh, you there were like you've obviously mentioned um, Joe Legend and 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 Adam Copeland, right? So so our little group um, that we trained together for about a year, year and a half together. There was about I want to say five to six of us always together, right? Because we're out of the same gym, we're in the same class. So uh, back then there was no no real promotions per se. They're just like what we call now spot shows. Yeah, this, this guy's promoting a show and, uh, you know, uh, St. Catharines, you know, and Ron say, oh, this guy wants you guys out there. OK, give us the address. We'll drive out there and do the show. You know, Big Mac is running a show and, uh, you know, uh, Dunville, you know, go out there and do that show. OK, uh, so it was us. It was, you know, what, you know, they would call us, I guess they would call us, uh, you know, uh, the Sully boys. Guy, the, the guys from Sully's and yeah. so we would go together usually in some kind of fashion it was either three of us or four of us or whatever combination they wanted uh, and we would just literally do all these uh, Ontario spot shows where we you know wherever we were kind of needed and back then I couldn't tell you how you know usually they would call Joe Joe Legend for some reason uh on the phone <laughs> and Joe would call the rest of us hey we got a show next week great Okay, I'll pick you up or you pick me up, blah, blah, blah. And that's how it was back then, right? Not, I didn't, uh, and back then I would just basically, we would basically work ourselves in some kind of different combinations, right? Cause, uh, back then the guys on these shows were from a different era, from the era before us. Yeah. Seventies and like the mid to early eighties, right? Guys like, uh, for instance, we would see a lot of was, uh, Jumping Jay Sterling, The Missing Link, Ricky Johnson, um, Steve Oceanside was on a lot, of, a few shows with us. Uh, Hurricane Hugo was another local guy. Uh, uh, Mad Dog Rex, I believe. Yep. yep. Right. Just local guys that used to work the, the territory. Hold on, my phone's going off. Dang it. Um, so you know, we would be on shows with those guys. But we would, because we're the young guys, they'd put us on first, right? Stuff like that. And a TNT was another guy that would be on these shows, Jetstar, you know, that whole bear, almost last crew of Bearman guys. Okay, yeah. Dave McKinley Bearman guys, mostly. Um, and yeah, and a couple other the young local guys too that were from another gym. Back then, as far as I know, when I trained, there was only one to two other gyms that were running there. There was a gym on Dundas called Max Gym that a few guys would come out of. Uh, Who ran Phil that one? Walk, 
Phil Watson, I believe, was training guys too. I don't know where his gym was located. And obviously Dewey Roberts and Jason Sterling had their gym in Hamilton where you would get right. some Hamilton guys on shows too. So yeah. as far as I know, those were only uh, uh, three, three to four different gyms. But Sully's, I think, had the reputation at that time uh, of producing some pretty good talent. Yeah, and they were they were they were known anyways for years and years and years as giving out boxing boxing guys, right? So they had a reputation anyways for giving out or making uh, solid entertainers, right? Oh, definitely, definitely, yeah. 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 Any um, any interesting places you worked um, in Ontario when you were starting out, or just just regular? You know, we would do we would do all kinds of stuff. We would do a lot of bar shows for Ricky Johnson and like the worst bars you can imagine. <laughs> OK, well, now they're multi-million dollar uh, bars and uh, hotels. Back then they were Queen Street, King Street dives yeah. <laughs> with hotel rooms on top where I remember one time we we're all sitting up in the, the second floor. They, were, they gave us hotel, hotel rooms, I would say just rooms. And as we're changing, you know, and stuff like that, you know, the hookers are bringing the Johns right by us into the rooms right next to us, you know, to do business, obviously. Like, what on here? Right? It's just no, like nothing's ever happened. You know, these girls are coming in and out with these guys, and these guys are looking at us. You know, we're you know getting changed into our outfits. It's like, well, I can imagine what they were thinking. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that was the one. That was the one bar we did a lot was. Bronco Billy's, I believe it was called at the time. Now it's called the Drake, I believe, or something. It's like a $3 million renovated place. But that's that's the hotel that George Chavalo's two sons uh, OD'd and died in. That okay. was their claim to fame back then, if you can believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Just freak it out. Yeah. So that was a pretty interesting place to work. And then we would work all kinds of things, like uh, tomato festivals in Dunville. We would do fairs out in the middle of nowhere. I don't know how we ever made it to these places. Joe usually drove, and he somehow he found he always found these places on a map somewhere. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. You know what I mean? I was <laughs> oblivious of where I was, right? And uh, so yeah, we would go almost anywhere to work. Like, but those bar shows are pretty fun. They're like the worst bars you can imagine. Uh-huh. And the, Do you imagine any like? And the clientele was just as just as interesting as the rest. of was a clientele there. Do you remember any hecklers and stuff like that? Like. You know, the super fans, like there's super fans on the indie scene, right? Yeah. Now, so. People didn't really, well, like I said, we did a lot of bar shows and people were like watching us and drinking beer and, you know, talking to the Smoking girl next door, right next to them or, you know, it'd be, you know, it just, it was a strange way to, and we, you know, because we were young, we weren't even focused on the eyes. We were just like, hey, let's do this. Do your thing, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? We we're just doing our thing and, and, uh, the funny thing is about doing these local shows, you know, because, you know, whoever is promoting the show, whether it be Big Mac, uh, Ricky Johnson or Phil Watson. We worked for Phil Watson a few times. Uh, I think maybe at least once for sure. Uh, you know, once they saw us work the opening match, they'd come back. Hey, can you come out and work this guy in this match? And One time I worked three times on a Ricky Johnson show. I opened up the show with Joe, and then I got thrown into another match with TNT. And then I was in the main event in a okay. three-man tag. I'm like, I wonder how much am I making? Yeah. The funny thing is, back then, we would we back, we actually be owing the promoter money because uh, back then we had to buy $75 licenses yes. every year. And the scam was, usually, 
you know, oh, uh, I'll give you 40 bucks, but I'll, I'll pay for your license for the show and this and that. I'm like, okay. You know what I mean? Like, so you're right. kind of losing money, but, but you know what? We did it. We loved it. Right. I didn't care. I worked three times. I didn't, you know, I would win the first match, lose the second one, and then be in the main event. I was like, what am I doing here? They just, <laughs> you know I mean, and you know, I don't want to say they took advantage of us because they knew we were young or do anything. And, you know, after a while, we're like, hey, why are these guys just sitting around drinking beer while we're out here three or four times? Yeah. <laughs> but we didn't care. We still did it, right? We just wanted the experience, right? Uh, Rob, when was it What's that? Say again? Uh, when were you first notified about uh, the dark matches in WWF that you um, did? Okay, funny story. Because um, you did well, one with Owen Hart and I think Al Snow yeah. I saw. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah a few uh, a little later, but uh, we were working in Ajax for uh, local wrestler promoter Bill Scullion, and uh, same thing, you know, we would go out there and do our match, and then we'd come back later for he had a of all things uh, a battle royal cage match. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and. And I get it was the opposite, right, of a of a battle royal. You had to get out of the cage to not lose. Okay. The last person in would lose. Does that make sense? <laughs> right. But but anyway. So you know, like I said, we from uh. So we did that show. We, you know, we went on to the next show. About a week, two weeks later, I get a phone call at home by a guy from a guy saying he. Just became, he was just appointed the WWE, no, sorry, F, President of Canada. And I'm like, okay. I didn't even think, like, how'd you get my number? Like, you know what I mean? Back then, you know, <laughs> you to, anyway. Uh, and I'm like, okay, sure. You know, what am I going to say, right? And he's like, I want to, I want, I want to see you guys down in my office next week. Us guys, meaning, you know, me, Joe, Adam, uh, and whoever else. The Sully boys. Yeah, Sully boys, right? I'm like, okay, so he gave me the address. We all, you know, I guess we all got the call. Yep. How? And we all converted, and we went to this guy's office. This guy ended up being, uh, he was right. He was Carl DeMarco. Yeah. Just appointed a couple weeks before that. He was at the Ajax show, and he saw us, and, you know, he Thought we were great, I guess, you know, but we were, you know, we were so green at the time. Not when we watched the videos, we was like, whoa, I can't believe I just did that or <laughs> yeah. doing that. But anyway, he seemed to love us. And he said, I'm going to get you guys on TV. I'm going to get you guys to do this and that. I'm like, we're like looking at each other. Okay. Yeah. Whatever, buddy. Um, and then, uh, you know, we kept in touch and, uh, he, You kind of. Yeah, what happened there? Oh, Jesse muted you by accident. No, I don't know what happened. My computer froze there for a minute. How about now? No, there we go. Okay. All right, sorry. Where did I leave off? So anyway, we we leave his office. You know, we uh, we send him videos and whatnot. We don't hear nothing for a little while. And then uh, once again, I get a phone call. Uh, at home, I don't even think I had a cell phone at the time. Uh, it was Carl saying, "Hey, uh, I need you on a, I need you to pack your bag and, uh, and meet me at the airport." 
I'm like, for what? <laughs> oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fly you out to Halifax, and you're gonna wrestle Hakushi on a house show. He's like, oh. I'm like, okay. He goes, yeah, the, the 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 one two three kid broke his thumb, and you're gonna replace him. So I'm like, okay. So you know, I you know, I leave my job, I run home, you know, get my stuff ready, head out to the airport, and there there's Carl, you know, with with Sean. Uh, with Sean Waltman, the one, two, three kid, you know, and, and we had some time before the plane left. So we're just eating there and stuff like that. And he's filling me in on what to do and what, what's going to happen. So me and, uh, me and Sean, uh, Waltman, we fly out to Halifax and, uh, I think we get there the day of the show, right? You know, a few hours before we go directly to the arena. I get suited up and. I go out and have a match at the, I assume it was the Halifax Forum, I believe. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I, I had a match with Hakushi, right? It was a house show. And, you know, I'm there. I am sitting in the locker room with like, uh, Bret Hart, Lex Luger, uh, 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 which, which call it just about, you know, everybody that was there. And, uh, Pierre Carbolette was there. And, you know, just everybody, you know, top guys are there, right? And that was it. You know, that's how I started. And after that, uh, Carl uh, would hook us up uh, with, uh, back then, they would do what they would call TVs, right? So they would fly us out for three, four days on a a loop of TV spots, right? From town to town. And so that's where I, that's where uh, Jesse mentioned uh, the next time around. I got to wrestle Owen Hart. This was for TV. This was for superstars, I believe. And I had a match with Owen Hart for TV. And same thing, you know, like one day you're in a bar, you know, wrestling, you know, TNT or Mad Dog Rex or whoever. And then the next day you're, you know, in a locker room with Bret Hart, Lex Luger, you name it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, here I am. That's and that's awesome. it. And then we, you know, and then after that, it was, you know, we mostly did Canadian shots. I did, I do, we did, me and Joe actually did a few, uh, Detroit. We did the Joe Lewis Arena. We did some, uh, shows there, TV matches, dark matches, whatnot. Yeah. Buffalo. They, they, they sent us to Buffalo. So that was pretty cool. That and was they, pretty wild. Only, and I think the, some, the main reason was because obviously Carl liked us. And, uh, once you get your, Back then, anyway, once you got your foot in the door, you did a TV or you did a dark match, uh, whoever was booking the, then I want to say enhancement talent is what they, they called them then. Um, once you got to know the, the guy who would book them, then they would call you every time they're in the area. Okay. With either they liked you or you're, you know, you showed up, <laughs> right? So once you got in, you know, in your foot in the door, then you're just a regular for the most part. Yeah, I think I heard on JR's podcast that uh, that was one of the shows that he signed Edging Christian or something like that because they signed uh, him super cheap a week. He's like two fifty a week or something like that. <laughs> well, no, they would pay you really well for the TVs and dark matches. They pay you two hundred fifty dollars for the match, even if you didn't even if you didn't wrestle, you would get paid. Okay. Uh, they would usually. Uh, uh, Pick up the, the, if you needed a rental car, if they flew you out somewhere, they would pay for the flight, obviously. 
And if you need a rental car, four or five of the, the enhancement guys would share the van and stuff like that. And they would pick up the cost and they'd also pick up the cost of the hotel. So the enhancement guys actually were doing pretty good in a sense. Then the contract guys, because the contract guys have to sometimes usually pay for their uh, rental cars and hotel rooms. Yeah. Oh, wow. Right. And they would still get $250. That was their uh, basically their show up money. Right. <laughs> They're walking around money. Yeah, but the contract guys, they can write it off like a tax, right? Yeah, exactly. That's what they would do. But they would also share the cars and, you know, because... Oh, yeah. I heard stories of Owen Hart and Mick Foley. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was true. Yeah, yeah. Those guys, had, those guys had a friend or a buddy in every town to yeah. uh, pick them up at the airport, take them to the show, and uh, and, uh, and they bunk with them for the night. Yeah, cool. Yeah. That's wild. Go ahead, Jesse. Um, this is it. This is interesting. So you did some time in TNA. Yeah, where, just a couple of shots, just couple shots know, there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just wanted to know, were you there during the Jeff Jarrett times or the transition to Dixie no, Carter? No, that like, would be both. Both time was Jeff Jarrett. Okay. First time, I think uh, we went to, uh, I want to say it was Memphis. When they had the little little studio show, little barn show. It looked like a barn from the outside, but inside it was just like a little place. Um, and then the second time I went was when they were at uh, Universal Studios. Mm-hmm. So they were no longer in Memphis. They were down in Florida. Oh, okay. And, yeah, like, well, like, like I said, when I got called, well, when I did those spots, I was sort of, I, I don't want to say I was out of wrestling, but I had taken a break from wrestling. I had gone back to school. And I'd opened up my wrestling gym. So I was more focused on, you know, uh, training, right? Yeah. And I got those sh- shots. I don't want to say by fluke. Uh, I got them through uh, another friend, Scott Damore, who was uh, working with them a little bit. Um, just, I don't know, just he said, hey, you want to go to TNA? I'm like, okay. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but I didn't try to, when I was down there, I really wasn't trying to get a job with them. I was just sort of went there just for the sake of going there, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't like, you know, try to talk to Jeff or nothing like that after. Joe did. Joe, Joe, Joe definitely, when he went, uh, he, he wanted to get a job there, right? Because he had just been released by WBF at the time. Yeah. Yeah, no, they were fun. Like, there's a lot of talent down there, you know what I mean? Uh, actually the match I, the first match I did with TNA, I think everybody on that, on that match I was in debuted that show. I teamed up with, uh, oh gosh, I forget his name now, but we, we faced Sanjay Dutt and Eric Young. Okay. Well, Eric Young's another Canadian. We had a a nice little tag team match, six minute tag team match, if you can believe it, six, seven minutes tops. And, uh, yeah, it was fun. I enjoyed it, but like I said, I really wasn't in the the, uh, the position to try and get a full time wrestling job at the time. But TNA wasn't full time technically; it was okay. once a week, every yeah. Wednesday. I believe they they aired the pay per views, and it was basically like a very uh, uh, very high budget indie show at the time. Yeah, yeah. No contracts per se. It was just like you show up, you get paid. You know what I mean? That's it, right? Yeah. It's not like I, you could make a living <laughs> the early TNA days, right? <laughs> uh, you brought up training. That's where we wanted to go next. Sure. 
When did you start training and opening your gym? So I uh, opened up the gym, I believe, in about 2001. And it started very simply. We just started inside a, a karate studio. It's just that we put the ring in the corner. And, um, you know, I didn't really, at the time, like I said, uh, I had put wrestling on the back burner a bit. I just finished uh, college, and so I was working. And, you know, I was still doing the odd wrestling uh, shows here and there. And I, uh, so we opened up the gym. And that was around this, the time that uh, uh, Ron Hutchison's gym shut down. So a lot, a few of the, uh, the girls he had came over to me, uh, Tracy Brooks and Kale Kim, to be specific. Later on, uh, Angel Williams joined us. She's uh, Angelina Love. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, uh, they came because they, they still were training and they hadn't made it just yet, right? And so when we made the gym, so we had now, we had, you know, we had some talent. And we started up another little wrestling crew of going to shows together, right? So we would go down to Windsor and work for Scott Demore. We'd go here, there. We'd go into the States sometimes, Detroit, uh, to work for uh, Ed Farhad Jr. there. Okay. <laughs> for him, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And it just took off from there, really. We ended up leaving the the, tight, uh, the karate studio. Like, we were only there eight months. And uh, we found another unit, well, an old factory, really. Um, we actually found that place by by fluke because we were like, uh, we made a we made a small independent movie. Uh, and uh, the guy who produced the movie was co-owners with some other guys who owned this big factory that they would rent out for movies and stuff. So we moved into there. If you want to watch the movie, it's, it, the movie is uh, Enter the Zombie King. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's an awesome movie. Okay. <laughs> it's like a comic book, you know, slash wrestling movie, if you're into that kind of stuff. Um, and so from, it just, it just took off from there, right? It just, and then, like I said, we, we just, there's nothing, there's no other wrestling schools in the city at the time. And, uh, just word of mouth and just, uh, you know, uh, website exposure. We, yep. it, we just started getting bigger and bigger and we made another move after we left there. And, uh, it just, so I had the wrestling gym for about 13 years. Okay. Yeah. So it was profitable enough to keep it going that long. Well, it's not that it was profitable. Just like any business, right? There was ups and downs. There was high times and low times. There was a lot of students. Sometimes there would be no students, you know what I mean? Depending on the economy and whatever was happening right at the time. Right. But I never did it. I never started the wrestling gym for money. I just uh, enjoyed the training and working with the, the young kids. Uh, and uh, we produce a lot of local, very good local wrestlers. Um, and then you obviously. Train Michael Elgin. That's right. Uh, I went to high school. He, that's all I know. Is that right? Yeah. He trained with us. Uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of good guys came out of there that are actually, some of them are still wrestling today, to be honest with you. Cool. That's freaking wild, man. So and people got to realize, I always talk about this with Wes, when you had stuff back then, there was no social media, no MySpace, you know what I mean? The internet wasn't as... No, it was just like, it was just starting. Like I said, we yeah. just had a web page with like one page kind of thing, no, no yeah. videos or nothing like that, just the general information. Yeah. 
And we got, we were lucky, right? Being the only wrestling gym in the city, Toronto, you know, basically the biggest city in Canada, if you really, uh, we would get a lot of exposure on TV. Like we would get like breakfast television coming down. We would, uh, we would always be like in the, the wrestling articles in the paper, right? Uh, now magazine would sometimes do an article on us, right? So we had a lot of exposure that way. And, uh, so that helped. And, uh, so yeah. And the funny thing is after we did that first independent movie, we got a lot of, uh, TV and, and move, little things we would do in TV, like commercials and stuff like that. People would call me up, say, Hey, I'm looking for wrestlers. Do you have this type of person? And, you know, we would, you know, produce, you know, for commercials, for TV shows, you know, we would send wrestlers. Guys okay. that I thought would fit the part. So we, we did, did, did really well in that sense because we got a lot of exposure for an independent wrestling gym, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Toronto is the place to be, I guess, if you want to have a wrestling gym for sure. Any of your previous students now run a wrestling gym in Toronto or anything like that? Uh, let me think. I know a bunch of my later students are, have a little gym out, I want to say in the Stouffville area. Uh, but they're all over the place. They're all doing all kinds of stuff. Uh, another one of my original students is, is working out of a, an MMA gym called The Forge in Mississauga. He does some classes there. And they're just, yeah, they're just everywhere, which is good. They're always, they're, That's they're, good. That's they're awesome. doing their own thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're still heavily involved in the Ontario wrestling scene. Uh, with your ring rentals and mm-hmm. Demand Lucha, and, which is doing another big Ontario run. Yeah. Uh, you guys just did Mississauga on the weekend. Yeah. Uh, your crew's been to Greektown Wrestling as well, which I've attended many times. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about your involvement in the Indies and the ring well, rentals, Demand Lucha and all that? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I've always, we've always done, uh, ring rentals for a long time, just, you know, cause, people need a ring for a show, they'd call me up and say, hey, can you deliver a ring? I'm like, okay, sure. So that was always a side kind of hustle we would do just to make extra money. Um, but uh, a few years after we opened up the gym, we uh, we, start, we we got involved with uh, a local DJ named Dave Blizzard who was on Z103. And uh, he uh, came up with this uh, show idea where he was going to involve live bands with wrestling. He was going to call it blood, sweat, and ears. Okay. <laughs> not, not tears, ears. Yeah. Right. So our first show, well, his first show, we, I told him, I go, I'm not interested in running a promotion or doing that. It's a lot of work, right? If you want, I'll rent you the ring. I'll find you the wrestlers, right? I'll give, well, they're mostly my students and some outside students. Right. And, uh, I got him the contact for, uh, Rhino, who, uh, Terry, Terry Richards is his real name. He, he used to wrestle with us out in Winnipeg and uh, for Tony Candelo. That's where I first met him. So, uh, and so our, he, their first show was at, uh, in Georgetown at, uh, some cowboy bar. What's it called now? Can't remember right now. It might come to me. So we did a show up there and all of 76 people showed up. Okay. Total bust, right? <laughs> you know, I think Rhino's payoff was a few thousand bucks. They're like, oh my God, you guys lost money. So, but I, like I said, I wasn't involved with the show at that point. I'm like, okay, you know, so 
Dave came to us, him and his partner, Tom, and said, hey, you know, I know we didn't do well. I think we can, you know, we this the show was great. You know, the wrestling was phenomenal. You know, it's just so, it's too bad only 76 people saw it, right? Uh, which to this today's standards is a pretty good crowd. That's right. <laughs> right. But back then it wasn't right. Uh, and so I said, okay, I'll try and work with you for the next couple. So we ran another two times there at this cowboy bar in Georgetown. And by the third show, we had like basically triple the attendance. Right. We're up to like, you know, 250, 300 people. OK, perfect. Which is pretty good. Right. And we were looking we were also using uh, like uh, independent talent, but top independent like guys like uh, we would bring in guys like uh, Petey Williams, Saban, uh, Christopher Daniels. Oh, wow. Right. Okay. Yeah. Back then they were very affordable. Right. You know, <laughs> but before they, the AEW kick. What's that? Well, Christopher Daniels in AEW now. Right? Yeah, well, so. now he is. Yeah, but back then he was an independent guy working just about everywhere, right? And he was well-known. Uh, so, and then we took off from there. And then, you know, eventually uh, BSE was like, I would say, the number one promotion in Ontario. We And then we got the chance to go work up and uh, show up in Timmins. Uh, and we drew like 1,500 people. Wow. Oh, wow. In Timmins, yeah, it was like a, it's got to be a record to this day that independent promotion, right? And uh, that is the first time wrestling had been in Timmins in like 15 years. I think the last time, you know, it was up there. International wrestling was running up there, right? Yeah, yeah probably the Wildman. Timmins, Timmins up there. yeah, yeah. Timmins was a big town. They, they, they used to run, you know, Andre the Giant Hulk Hogan used to wrestle there. That's right, out of Montreal. They had some huge shows up there at one time. But it was stagnant for the last 15 years until we went up there and just, you know, 15, 1,500 people. We were back three months later with another show and drew another 12, 1,300 people there, right? And uh, we had a Christian show, a Christian cage on that one that drew that much. The first show was a bit of a hot mess. We had uh, Tommy Dreamer booked on it, uh, uh, Chris Canyon, uh, Mortis, right? Both those guys, well, Tommy Dreener ended up canceling. Uh, Chris uh, Canyon never showed up, right? So at the oh, last wow. minute, we had to uh, we had to scramble and book. You know, we ended up booking Monty Brown and uh, Eric Young. Right? Okay. But people, no one cared. You know what I mean? We showed up there and people, like I said, fifteen hundred people, fifteen showed up and it was a. And then by and after that, we did all these northern towns. We would do North Bay. We would do Sudbury. We went up as far as even uh, kept skating, right? We did all the northern towns and did really well up there. We did Kirkland Lake, another 1,200 people there. Wow. Yeah. And like I said, uh, but then, you know, and then then obviously in 2008, 7, 8, the, the economy went, right, went down, and basically nobody was doing shows. Nobody was doing anything anymore. So that kind of kind of was the end of BSE per se, and we just sort of came back to the city and did like just smaller local shows for a few years after that. That's, I don't know, I don't know what we were talking about before. I think I went out on a tangent there for a minute. Oh, that's nice. no, that's all good. Yeah. Demand Lucha is coming to yes. Oshawa, you guys are going to Kitchener. We got uh, yeah, and uh, next week we're in Kitchener. 
where we, t- they, we, they teamed up with, uh, we did it a few years ago. Uh, uh, this, uh, it's a, it's an expo. It's a tequila expo. Yeah, okay. that's right. I, I, I did it, yeah, we did it two years ago, two and a half years ago before the pandemic. And, uh, yeah, we did about three or four shows for them. We did London. We did, uh, as we do, I think we did Oshawa too. And a great show. It's just basically a big arena show. And, uh, they have tequila. Yeah, yeah, we, it's just basically a big tequila expo where different tequila companies come and sell and, and, uh, there's food there and there's obviously it's a Mexican kind of style theme. And yeah. so they have wrestling, you know, and people love it, you know, tequila and wrestling go really well together. <laughs> They're fun shows to do. All right. Go ahead, Wes. What do you think of the, the independent scene in Ontario now? Um, it's good. The only complaint I have about it is, uh, well, there's, I don't want to say it's a complaint per se, but what we're trying to do at Demand Lucha is produce a product that you can't see anywhere else. Okay. With, with our characters, with our, with our wrestlers, right? They may be, uh, you know, they might have a name, a different name in another show, another promotion. But, you know, when we use them, we try to make them our own kind of thing, right? Mm. Uh, I think what's lacking a little bit in the independent local scene is it's usually the same bunch of guys on every show. Mm. Does that make sense? Which is not yeah, bad it's for like them. the clicks. It's it's, yeah, it's great for them. But, you know, when you can see the same guys in Hamilton as the same guys you can see in Oshawa, you know, you're not going to get a lot of people traveling around. No, not at all. You're gonna, people are just going to stay put. Uh, well, it's going to come to Oshawa next week. I'm going to just sit here and watch it here. I'm not going to go to, you know, St. Catharines and watch this show there or Niagara Falls or, you know, wherever, because it's usually the same batch of guys or a combination of guys, right? Rarely do you see one show that has their own little thing going on with their own little talent. Like I said, they may have different names and different gimmicks and other promotions, but we try to demand Lucha, try to have, uh, you know, our own thing. Our own product, just like I did. We had BSE. Uh, majority of the wrestlers on the BSE shows that I, we did were my wrestlers, were my students, and yeah. specifically give them gimmicks or names, you know, to use in our show. And uh, the funny thing is, we started doing shows not because I wanted to do shows; it's because my wrestlers, my tra- my my students, couldn't get booked anywhere else. Right. So I felt bad. I'm like, oh, these kids can't get booked. So we started doing our own local little shows before BSE even. And sure enough, it picked up as soon as we got to BSE. And then all of a sudden, after a year of BSE being really doing really well, all of a sudden all these other promotions start, you know, hey, can you come here? Can you come there? <laughs> right. Yeah. See how it works. Like it's like like you like like Jesse said, it's a bit clicky. each promotion. They want to use their own guys, which is fine. They, they sometimes are afraid to use outside talent. I find that everywhere in Ontario. Yeah, yeah. Like, and, I, like in, in Oshawa, Pro Wrestling Eclipse, they use the same guys every month. Yeah, and I don't know if that's because they have an agreement with them or they just like them. But, um, yeah, they're kind of afraid to. And that's the big complaint I get of a lot of the independent wrestlers now. And saying, oh, my God, I can't get booked here. I can't get booked anywhere. I can only, you know, do this one show here once yeah. a month. And I'm like, well, I don't know. You know, like, 
that's what I hope. That's a, that's the one thing I was saying uh, that bothers me about uh, promotions is they don't you try to use different people. It's sort of like you, like Jesse said, it's always the same batch of guys. And after a while, it's going to get a little stale, I think. And that's why you see the drop in audiences at some of these shows. And the only time they can pick up the audience is to bring in a name. Yeah. Or an old Fed name yeah. or, you know, an old TNA name. Mm-hmm. But that's that's the, the, the big, uh, yeah, the big problem, I think, in Ontario Indie. So Any big standouts? What's that? In your mind? Any big standouts? Like people that you're like, oh, this kid's got it. You know what? I never try to predict that. If I like them, that's one thing, right? I always tell guys, you know, I go, uh, it doesn't matter what I think of your wrestling. It matters who the who's hiring matters with their opinion. If, you know, the Fed likes you, then that's great. <laughs> if AEW likes you, that's great, right? You know, that's the one thing a lot of kids ask me, well, what do you think? What do you think of this? And I go, well, I can only give you my opinion of what you did out there and what I like, you know, just, but just because I like what you did doesn't mean, uh, another, uh, you know, agent, you know, promoter is going to like what you did. Right. I go, it's up to that person that they like you, but standouts, there's a lot of good guys in the area, a lot of good guys, but you know, that, the one I would say one of the main standouts I think is not only because he's he's a pretty good wrestler he has a good look and everything but he's he's out there he's all over the place he's working in Montreal he's working in the Maritimes he you know he went over to Japan a few years ago is uh, Channing Decker right yeah I know who he is so I'm right? not town wrestling yeah and I'm not just saying that because he's a student of mine but uh, but because he's everywhere. He's, he's trying to, you know, do it like, you know, and it's hard, right? Because there's not a lot of money out there to do no, it full time. He's so, huge in Quebec right now, too. Yeah. Like I said, he does all the local promotions there. He's out in the Maritimes. Every time I go on Facebook, I see him, you know, he's in here. He's there. And I'm like, wow. And a lot of guys say, oh, you know, how do I how do I make it? I go, well, you got to do what this guy's doing. Just got to get out there. Yeah. You know, and he's in know. dark side of the ring now, too. Yeah, that was a big thing for him. Yeah, yeah, he's in a lot of those episodes. He's doing really well. He's doing really well. I can see him really, you know, getting somewhere someday. If yeah, he keeps his match with Sabu was insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I gotta admit, I was there for that, and uh, it's probably one of the best hard hardcore matches. I'm throwing quotations up that I've seen in a long time. Yeah, it's crazy to see Sabu and then hear comparisons to the Sheik. Because now when I look at the Sheik, all I see is Sabu. Yeah, they've kind of morphed into the two things, eh? Yeah. Yeah. They, they um, Rob. Yes. Now we have to come to the time where we talk about something you and Wes have in common. What's that? Uh, the Bear Man. Uh, yes. currently doing a documentary. Am uh, I? I just want to know. Am I? I'm not sure. Am I? <laughs> well, that's what Wes told me. That's what Wes told you. I, I don't I don't say too much about it because it's not my business. Yeah. So. Well, what what I can say is um, I kind of I kind of have to give uh, props to this pandemic because I was home for a while, not working. And I was always fascinated with the bear man story. Uh, I saw his show when I was in high school. I saw one show at Downsview Arena and. 
I think that must have been the first time I even was aware of the Bear Man because I remember seeing the little ad in the Sunday Sun, Saturday Sun, for his show in Downsview. And I didn't live too far from there. I'm like, oh, ah, wrestling. You know, and I was regular at the Maple Leaf Gardens at the time. And then, uh, you know, but I'm like, oh, another show. Great. You know what I mean? So I remember going up to Downsview there with my little brother. And uh, and I saw, you know, in the ad, had pictures of the Sheik. And obviously I knew about the Sheik. I never saw him live. Right. And just the, that little clipping in the, in the, in the Saturday sun, you know, with the faces and the cage and the blood. And I'm like, whoa, this looks like a disaster. I got to see yeah. this. Right. It was totally different from what you saw at the Maple Leaf Gardens, you know, you know, the, you know, the guys with the nice faces and bodies and stuff like that. I go, so anyway, go up there, Downsview Arena, the small little arena, you know, is a, is a place you'd go ice skating, you know, in the winter. <laughs> uh, the ring, a little ragtag ring in the middle of the arena with a bunch of chairs. And I'm like, whoa, where am I? Right. It's totally different from Maple Leaf Gardens. And, the, you know, and when the show starts, you know, you got the chic, you know, just, you know, bleeding everywhere. You got, you got, not only were the, the wrestling, uh, the wrestlers, uh, you know, just, strange looking to me the audience members are just just as crazy and uh and then you know, the big cage match with Wildman and chris called was like what is going on this is this is violent yeah you know what i mean this is like over the top right and there was a lot of, i remember there was a lot of blood on that show right and i'm like i've never seen so much blood in my life you know you get to see it sometimes at maple leaf gardens every now and then right but not like this and uh and this is even before I even started wrestling. Like I said, I was still in high school when I saw that show. And then when I got back in the, when I did get into wrestling, I always kept hearing about this book called Drawing Heat. You got to get this book. You got to read this book. It's got everything you need to know about wrestling, blah, blah, blah. And obviously, you know, I couldn't find it at the time because it came out in 1988. And I think now, you know, and I always kept hearing stories, you know, Sweet Daddy CQ would always tell the stories about the bear man and the bear and this and that. And he'd tell us a few stories. I'd hear stories from the older guys, like I said, on the Ricky Johnson shows about the bear man. And then eventually I got my hands on the book. I remember it was on eBay and I heard it cost me like a hundred bucks. <laughs> what if, what if you bought it for me? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I sold a bunch of copies on eBay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, I got, you know what, there's some handwriting in the back of the book, so I'm going to see if it's actually signed by somebody. Uh, and I read it, and I'm like, whoa, this is a very good book. This, this, this is like a, like a movie, you know, yeah. like it's somebody would write a fiction movie about the bear and killing his fiance, and then, you know, all the, the stories on the road. So anyway, I'm, this is a long answer. But anyway, I've always fascinated with the story of the bear man. And then when the pandemic hit, you know, I uh, I started doing some YouTube research on the Bear Man, see what's out there. I go, there's not much out there. And uh, I read, I reread the book, and uh, I got a hold of my friend uh, Jay Jay Nadler, who is also involved with Demand Lucha. He's uh, the ring announcer, commentator, uh, film guy, editor, everything. And I said, look, I, I got this idea. I want to sort of try and you know just uh, do a little 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 uh, documentary on this guy from what I, you know, what we can figure out. And, 
And that's what I, I, I found. Prior to that, I, I found Wes's uh, Facebook page and I joined in. I, I was using it for research. And then I reached out to Wes. Wes was the first guy I interviewed. We went, uh, me and Jay, we went to Cambridge and met up with Wes, nice enough to meet with us. And he basically laid it all out, you know, from start to finish, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's a lot. I'm thinking, okay, that's all I need. But then, you know what? And then I started looking at other people, finding other people to interview. And it just sort of snowballed from there. Uh, all of a sudden, everybody wanted to talk about the bear man, right? And uh, so I did a bunch of interviews. I, I interviewed guys like uh, Tim Gerard. I even interviewed uh, Jim Friedman, who was the author of Drawn Heat. Yeah. I somehow found him, right? And That's he actually, cool. He actually called me back, and we talked, and I met with him in London and sat down with him and talked. And the more I talked to these different guys, the more information I would get and more leads to other guys and other yeah. things, right? Uh, you know, I talked to a couple of ladies at the orphanage that Dave grew up in, right? I just found oh, out. Wow. I just found out it's like 10 minutes from my house. I live in Maple. It's in Richmond Hill, 10 minutes away. You know, that led me to uh, some other guys. And then, you know, it just I kept snowballing, right? And uh, I do have some more interviews lined up. I'm not going to say too much about it because they're going to be really interesting. Uh, but yeah, and so we've accumulated hours and hours and hours of interviews with uh, different people. And hopefully, uh, we can put it together this year, or at least a, a highlight reel or a teaser video, uh, and go from there and see. Uh, and I, I have a friend, uh, who's a movie producer, uh, distributor that's gonna probably help us with that. So hopefully, we get some, hopefully, Love to show you guys by the end of this year. I, I put out a little teaser video earlier, a couple of awesome. last week, that me and my 13-year-old son put together. <laughs> well, put together. I, I, I found all these clips and pictures, and I sent it to him, and he uh, edited it for me on his cell phone, of all things. And yeah, right? That's uh, and, uh, so fantastic, and, and the comments we've gotten from it have been fantastic. That's It's a dream come true, that is, for sure especially like the real hardcore fans or the people who actually knew Dave better than uh, I ever did. Cause I, you know, I, I met him a couple of times but that, that was it. Hey, nice to see you. Well, man, you know, and, yeah, yeah, whatever. Right. And, um, so yeah, some of these people who really knew him, like Carrie and some other people um, yeah, yeah. there, they were just, they just loved it. That's it was a great job. And yeah, yeah. That's the thing. A lot of these people I interviewed, no one has ever talked to them about Dave or the, you know, the show. Uh, they've sort of almost been forgotten. And uh, I don't know. Like I said, uh, it just snowballed for me, like Carrie Ann Orser. Um, you know, I just I found her right with her name and I, I tracked her down, you know. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Somehow I got her, and she was so surprised to hear, you know, like, oh, okay, and, you know, talk to her, and, and uh, you know, we talked to even uh, Adrian Adonis' uh, youngest daughter, Gina yep. Banton, right? We talked to her. Same thing. She says, no one has ever reached out to us to talk about Adrian Adonis. Mm-hmm. It's just really strange, right? Did you try Angie? What's that? Did you try his other daughter, Angie? Uh, I haven't talked to her, uh, but I do have her on Facebook. I think we've chatted a little bit. Yeah. 
uh, hopefully, yeah, but I'd, li- I'd rather do in-person interviews as opposed to Skype interviews, right, just for quality purposes. But I, I'm sure we'll, we'll get eventually talk to her. But like I said, I got a couple other interviews lined up uh, that I think is just going to blow some people away. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you on the book part because I got drawing heat from Greg Oliver. Yeah. I bought a copy of him. And uh, when I read it, I was like amazed mm-hmm. because Greg's like, dude, it's a fiction book, but the characters are real people. Yeah. And I, I said, oh, OK. So like Ma Pickles is actually a real hardcore old lady fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Like, and yeah. I always wondered, like, I'm like, Man, this could be a Netflix series. It could be a show. Oh, it could be. And so- I love wrestling bears because. Yeah. It amazes me because I grew up, you know, in grade eight. It was 9-11 in grade eight. Yeah. For me. Right. So I remember watching that go down in the library. So for me, I grew up in post 9-11 era where you can't bring a bear across the border. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And like, especially nowadays, like with people wanting to train the bullpen in MLB, they want to change the name. Like, there's no way. Mm-hmm. And like Truffy Truesdale wrestling alligators and stuff. Like I love that kind of stuff. It's it's just it would never happen. No, no, unless you're in Russia or something. Yeah. The uh, the the lure of the book, because I was friends with Terry Dart before the book even came out, but I knew about the book being produced and, and I had a sample copy of a few chapters that Terry had lent me that Jim had given to him and I, I was blown away because even though I was I wasn't an inside fan back then, but it was pretty close. I mean, we, we, yeah. you know, we were reading the sheets. We knew what was going on. But um, to read that book, and, and I I always took it as the gospel. Uh, the words in there were the gospel. And, and, I, and I, I still do to a certain extent. But um, also on the same note, I've also read the book like 40,000 times. And every time I look open, just open it up to a page, I, I get something else, like a feeling or something. And that's why... I decided to to start the the Wild Man tribute page on Facebook, and then someone gave me an idea like, you know, hey, you should write a story about a poster, and then I, I, another one, and another one, and another one, and I, it's a it's hard. I'm not a I'm not I don't have any education. I can't write a book, but I'm doing the best I can, and it's so hard, but it's so going to be so fulfilling because of what I'm going to put into it is. Partly truth and partly fiction. So it's going to be more like what Jesse or Greg told you, Jesse. It's it's a fiction story about, but the characters were real, yeah. which I don't believe. And the funny yeah, thing but is, you have no credibility because you hate Hulk Hogan. That's right. <laughs> and Shawn Michaels and yeah, whatever. <laughs> the thing about the Wild Man story is it's been it's been told already a few times. We just people kind of missed it there there was a movie back in the early 80s called uh, blood and guts yeah yeah right i'm sure you guys have seen it it was filmed in hamilton with a bunch of local guys you know uh farmer pete's in it uh silent uh, bob mackey's in it you know a bunch of locals are in it uh bull johnson obviously is is in it uh and uh i think they used his ring i'm not sure if he's in it but i think uh Danny Johnson is in it. Danny was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that story, that is the wild man story. That is exactly. fighting the, you know, the big corporate 
promoter from the city. Yeah. Right? It's exactly this. And I remember watching that as a kid on Channel 7. If you're from Toronto, you know what, you know, City TV is. Yeah. Watching it, like, oh, every time it was on, I said, oh, I got to, I watched it like a hundred times. You know, it's been told his story just in a different, you know, kind of, you know, light. Uh, uh, no bear involved in that movie, but you know you, you got the concept of his uh, his struggle through that movie. And uh, it's funny enough, years uh, like a few years ago, a little while ago now, uh, I did a I rented a ring to a pilot TV pilot with Bret Hart and Roddy Piper, and the story was the same. Oh really? Invented promoter, you know. Aging wrestler, you know what I mean? Kind of thing, taking on the bigger promoter, right? Trying to steal his talent away kind of thing. And I remember like, wow, this is exactly like the Bear Man story, right? Basically the same thing. Obviously, that pilot never took off. Mm-hmm. I would have liked it, you know, but, there, you know, I think it, it's just this story is chomping at the bit, I think. Eventually, it'll, it'll be a big story. It was a big story when it happened, Dave's issues, right, with the bear, obviously, and the fiancé, and then him dying later in yeah. the car crash. It was worldwide news, um, especially in the wrestling world. Yeah, definitely. Oh, a lot of these old-timers that you see these shoot videos off, like uh, Sabu, uh, Kevin Sullivan, uh, they all talk about the bear man. Yep. Right? And the incidents and all that stuff that happened in between. Uh, so I think the story is literally needs to be told. Hopefully it gets told really soon. And uh, I think people are really going to be interested. It's a very sad story, obviously, tragic story, but it's also, you know, can be uplifting and uh, inspirational, I think. Yeah. Cool. That's cool. That's cool to hear. I, I love I love it. I love it. I love meeting you and, and Jay. And that was uh, that day was just spectacular for me. I wish I hadn't moved away so we could be <laughs> together again. And that's the thing I, I get from a lot of the interviews I do with some of these older guys and gals is, you know what? At first, they don't know me. They think I'm suspicious and they, they're kind of, you know, but as soon as I start talking about, it, they know that I know, you know, my stuff and a little, you know, and know the story. They start opening up, you know, you know, when you, you know, big guys are like, they start almost uh, crying when they start <laughs> talking about Dave and some of the stuff they went through with Dave and but towards the end of every interview, these these guys all feel great, you know, for talking. Yeah. And uh, they feel great that someone is out here trying to capture the story, at least at some level. They just love talking and they, they all thank me after and say, wow, it's great that you're doing this. I hope it works out. Yeah. I hope it gets, you, you know, you, this happens. Right. Everybody comes away after a meeting with me and uh, Jay in our interviews. They come away, I think, just, uh, you know, it's almost like therapy for them. <laughs> yeah. Right. To let it all out. Because, you know, I'm sure their wives or their, you know, their kids have heard all the stories. They're tired of hearing the stories. But for them to talk about all that stuff they went through on the road, on the shows, what, you know, they had to do. It, like I said, they just need to release it. Yeah. And they're happy to do it. And they feel they come away great. It's like, like I said, it's like uh, going to a spa, feeling great afterwards. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, so it must be very therapeutic. Yeah. Because like I said, a lot of the, they're very surprised when I call them up and that I want to talk to them. They're like, really? <laughs> they can't believe it. But, now, must, it's probably easier to find people now with social media and stuff like that. 
It, it is, but like I said, uh, it just, uh, I don't know what it is, but maybe it's the universe talking, but these things just fall in my lap sometimes, right? Uh, <laughs> a phone number, uh, a, a message on Messenger or on Facebook that someone, hey, you should talk to this guy. You should talk to that guy, right? And I've had a few rejections, a few people that don't want to talk to me. Uh, but that's okay. You know, I might, maybe I'll keep at it and see what I can get. Yeah. Uh, one person always leads to another. It's like the, you know, like they say, it's seven, seven degrees of separation kind of thing. That's right. Right. Some of the times these people don't even know each other, but they know that guy or they know this guy or this girl. And, uh, that's how it's been. I don't know. It's been really strange in a sense, this project that we're doing, how it's snowballing really. That's so cool. That is so cool. I, I, I'm just beside myself when I think about it. And I put it on the back burner. I forget about it. Yeah, I see you um, liking something or something on our pages. And then I think, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah, can't I'm, not, I'm not trying to let the cat. Well, I guess I guess I did let the cat out of the bag. But slowly I, I was, you know, putting posting things and <clears throat> people are asking me questions. And, you know, I get private messages every now and then. And I don't, you know, I don't want to, you know, just say too much now. Yeah, exactly. Of course. The stuff I do, we do have now is is really good. It's really interesting. And like I said, hopefully we get it all together. At least something to show you guys this before the end of the year. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, even more next year. Cool. Here's a question for both of you guys. Uh, where would you put Dave against Frank and George Cannon in the promotional warfare of Ontario? Because they were all around in the 70s, obviously, right? Yeah. Well, Dave goes back even to, like, the late 60s. He's, uh, you know, it's just, he, you know, um, I heard he was, you know, he was promoting shows as early as 1971, right? He was doing, he was promoting his own show, as well as, obviously, traveling North America, you know, with, you know, by himself, and then later with the Bears. Like, um, as far as uh, promoting wise, I think he was he, he did it better than uh, the Tunnies and George because I think it had a combination of you know the way he designed the way him and Conrad designed the posters. Con- Conrad being his stepson, uh, it just you saw the poster on, you know, the convenience store, your town, and you were like drawn into this poster with the, the faces and the bear and the girls and the bloody faces. It's like, holy, whatever this is, I got to see this. Right. Whereas you look at George Cannon's posters or the Tunnies is very, very plain, very basic. You had a picture of Whipper or whoever, and, you know, it didn't say much to you. Yeah. They went off. Well, mostly the Tunnies went off how big they were at the time, right? Like, you know, the Maple Leaf Gardens. And their TV, yeah. And their TV. It's like they had put no effort into their posters, whereas Dave, Dave's posters and his, his like, he's, like, I, like he says in the video, I'm a digger. You yeah. know what I mean? He works hard. He's in these towns putting up posters two, three weeks before. He's putting the ads in the papers. He's doing it all himself, right? And yeah. I think he he was better in that sense as a promoter because a promoter what's a promoter do he gets the word out that's he right it's the show with whatever means they have and back then Dave just had his pickup truck and a bunch of posters 
you know, maybe the odd radio ad back then. And that was it. Whereas Tunnies and George had TV. All they had to do is do their weekly uh, TV program. Yeah. And that was it. Why? Well, what do you think? I think, I think I, I agree 100% that uh, that's, I remember uh, being a kid and seeing the posters all over Ontario. Uh, yeah. I, holy smokes. And no one in my family was a fan, but, you know, they knew I was. And it's like, oh, man, look at that. Look at that. It's like glowing orange on the telephone pole up on Highway 10 to Rowan Sound or something, right? And you just you freaked out. And uh, I think in the drawing heat book that, Professor said something like, be part of the action, right? And and that's what Dave's – Maple Leaf Gardens wasn't – definitely wasn't be part of the action. Maple Leaf Gardens was sit in your seat and be quiet and enjoy the show. Yeah. Whereas Dave's show, you could get up and you could hit the ring. And if you were brave enough, you could jump in the ring, you know, if, if nobody was in the ring and stuff like that. And it's completely different ball of wax altogether. One-man show, definitely, right? I talked to uh – I talked to Harry D, referee. I don't know if you know him. He's, he works for TNA right now. And uh, he didn't know Dave. He, 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 you know, he came later after Dave. But he said, growing up in Hamilton, he said, you knew when Dave was going to be in town because there was a poster in every store window, you know, on the street that he lived on. Yeah. Right? He's like, you couldn't get, a, you know, his, he said his aunt used to own a hair, a hair salon, and there was a poster in her window. Like you knew, and then a week, and then the day of the show, he said you'd see the bear walk coming down the street, you know, down the street from the arena, and you know he would even up to the day of the show be walking the bear around, take him to the park, and you know just to get extra people in the door, yeah, like a circus, because he grew, you know, he did work in the circus for a little bit. He was a or the carnival system, I should say. Yeah. So he had that mentality of a a, a, a traveling carnival. Yeah. He took that concept into the wrestling, which, you know, we know now that wrestling evolved from the carnival system. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool. wild. So I think, like I said, like I'll reiterate, and I say he, he was better at promoting than any of those, and both those guys. Not that they weren't great, those two guys, you know, the Tunnies and George Cannon. But he, he It's kind of hard not to make money as a Tunny when you have the Sheik in the 70s. Hmm. Yeah. Well, like, the Sheik had uh, out, you know, like West will say, he uh, he outdrew his welcome in, in uh, you know, in Toronto. But when he did Dave's shows, he was new again because no one had seen him in the outskirts, in the small towns in Ontario, outside of Toronto, outside of London, outside of where, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to that crowd, the Sheik was, you know, born again. Yep. Because, you know, they, they saw, they probably saw him on TV. They never saw him, you know, the arena down the street from their house. <laughs> yeah, he was on his tail end of the career when the Bear Man, though, Wes always told me. What's that? The Sheik was like on the tail end of his career when he started working he was, for the Bear. But he was he was new to these new these these small towns in a sense, right? Yeah. He was new to me yeah, in yeah. 1987 when I saw him at Downsy Arena. I'm like, oh man, that's the Sheik. Yeah, you know. I never saw him before. I barely saw him on TV because it was, you know, before my time, right? Yeah. yeah. I saw him, you know what I mean, carving up, uh, you know, uh, what you want to call it, uh, Terry SR, yeah. you know, in a two-minute match. I'm like, whoa, what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. 
like, like I've never seen this before in my life, and I'm sitting right there, right, right in the front row, no guardrails, no nothing, no, no protection from these, this guy. That's right. <laughs> he was new again, like I say, even though he was old, you could tell he was mm-hmm. old, but he, he just still had that because he was in a different town, a smaller town, different arena. And he still had tons of charisma still, and and yeah. drawing power, even like in those small towns, he could still, without a doubt. Not even blinking, draw 500 people with just seeing the poster, right? With Sheik, Sheik versus whoever. Yeah, exactly. That's why I went because yeah. I wanted to see the Sheik. Yeah, you know what I mean. I knew he was getting old, so I wanted to see him. Yeah, and that, that's yeah. why that's why I went too. I never saw him at the gardens, but I saw him quite a few times on Dave's shows. And the first time was like he he, he just walked like. Right there, he just, the sheik, the real, the real guy, just walked like five feet away from me, and and he looked at me for half a second, like, and, I, and you know, yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing I was doing with uh, with my interviews with all these guys. I wasn't just talking about Dave. I was talking about all the a lot of the guys that Dave used, and sheik was um, one of the main things I would ask everybody, yeah. and everybody had a story. I wouldn't tell everybody you. had, you know, what I mean, even the wrestlers, you know would say, you know what, I was in the wrestling business, but when the Sheik walked in the room, you were like, whoa, you were scared. Mm-hmm. Even though, you know, they're in the business, they still, ooh, it's probably the first time they met him or seen him, they were like, take it back. Even, you know, even, uh, you know, a full-fledged wrestler. But yeah. everybody had a story about the Sheik, and uh, it's going to be interesting. Like I said, with the interviews I did, I would talk about a lot of the different guys, not just Dave, but Andre and Chris Colt and, uh, uh, you know, uh, Apache Lou. Yeah. Some people know him as Apache Lou. Uh, so, every, you know, uh, we talked about uh, Phil, Phil. Mighty Igor. I got some great stories about Mighty Igor. Just, you know, because it wasn't just Dave. It was his whole, his whole crew. Yeah. Yeah. Misfits and uh, Freaks. That made so funny. made the show great. It made Dave great too, right? I always say to Wes all the time that I look at Dave as like a person that enhanced talent. Because if you look at it, he had Kevin Sullivan, he had Nancy Benoit. You know what I mean? Like the, the older guys coming off the Maple Leaf circuit would probably help all these new guys, right? Because I I didn't even know Bobby Heenan worked for the Bears. Oh yeah, pretty boy so Heenan. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm like pretty boy Bobby Heenan. I'm just like I didn't even to me he's a commentator. Yeah. Right? He was a yeah. manager and a commentator for WCW. Yeah, yeah. No one knew he was an actual wrestler. Yeah, right. Rick Flair always says he's a great worker. That, right, yeah. 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 Oh yeah. There's, there's some great uh, there's some great shoot interviews with Bobby Heenan talking about wrestling the bear. You ever okay. see those? Amazing. Mm-hmm. No, I gotta look he, that up on you. He, he wrestled the bear many times. And okay. He said this bear was amazing. This bear, like he would pretend to choke the bear with a towel, and he could have sworn the bear was like selling the choke. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like, this, you know, this bear knows what he's doing. He knows yeah. how to work. You know what I mean? He That's just knew the bear. You know, it's like he was amazed how the good this bear was. Yeah. You know, I, I believe it was terrible, Ted. He just said this bear is great. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. That's cool. Um, thank you very much for uh, helping us out and coming on, uh, oh, Rob. It, it's been awesome talking with you again. And uh, Jesse, do you have anything to say? 
No, uh, Rob, if you want to promote anything else, like your stuff or where to reach you, if you want to rent a ring or anything, you can say it now. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, if you want a, a ring, I guess, uh, uh, for any events or TV shows, movies, whatever you got, you can you can find me on Instagram under uh, Pro Ring Rentals. Okay. Right? And if you want, like every, if you want to come out to the Demand Lucha shows, we run like in the city, we're, we're going to be in Kitchener, we're going to be in, uh, in, uh, Niagara Falls in December and January, we're going to be in Oshawa and, uh, London. If you want to come out to see us. And, uh, other than that, I, I just, I hope that uh, the project I'm working on, I hope we can get it out really soon to show Super. everybody. That'll be yeah. great. We're so looking forward to it also. Thank you very much. And uh, again, like I said, I, I, you you made my day when I was contacted, and that was that was fantastic. It just it was blown away. You're but, still going on about that, eh? <laughs> well, you know, it was a big deal, and it was nice to be recognized as first and the stepping stone, kind of yeah. like. Um, and everything, even even on the Facebook page, which was my main focus at the time. Uh, the wild man, it, it, even everything blossomed from there because um, the guys that you put us in contact with that liked the page and came on board. And that yeah. was, that was fascinating also. So it's really cool. And it's been really interesting. Well, uh, you know, one, the reason, one of the reasons I, I wanted to do this project is I, I saw your page and I saw all the interest. I saw all the members and I saw all the people contributing. I'm like, wow, you know, being, I guess a wrestler promoter, I, I saw, oh, there's interest in this. Mm -hmm. There's genuine interest. And not just from people in Ontario. Uh, you got people from BC. You got people from the States yeah. uh, always inputting into the site and adding things. Right. So I'm like, wow, there's actually a market for this story. That's why, oh, that's, that's what encouraged me to, you know, keep, to start it. Yeah. Uh, it's not just a regional thing. I think it's, it could be, you know, North American and even worldwide thing. Mm -hmm. Interest in this story. Cool. And, uh, I think because, like I said, I found your page and I and I saw that all the work you did and put into it. I go, wow, this, you know what? I think people are going to like this. I hope so, too. I know I am. And Jesse is going to learn so much. <laughs> yeah, little little Jesse coming up in the historian ranks, trying yeah. to learn as much as I can here. Support all of the podcasts here on the Dynasty Wrestling Podcast Network. The best way to do that is go to our Pro Wrestling Tees store. It is at ProWrestlingTees.com slash The Dave Dynasty. There you will find all of the shirts that we offer. I Heart Old School Wrestling, Bruiser Buddy, the Podcast Mass shirt, and of course, the official shirts for the Ontario Wildman and the Ring and Ding Dong Dandy podcast. Visit ProWrestlingTees.com slash The Dave Dynasty, order a shirt, and support the network. If you would also like to support, you can join our Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash davedynasty. There you will get exclusive audio and video clips, early releases on podcasts, and much, much more. And if you would just like to make one-time contributions to support us, you can go to paypal.me slash thedavedynasty. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for listening. Continue to support independent wrestling podcasts. And we're back. Uh, Wes, that was friggin' fun, man, talking to Rob.
that was amazing, amazing guy, amazing story. And uh, it's great to just publicize him as a wrestler and a trainer and a promoter, let alone <laughs> let alone what he told us at the end there. That was amazing about the Wild Man Project. So yeah. there, everybody, um, hopefully there's going to be something fantastic coming down the pipe uh, about uh, the wild man, uh, bear man, Dave McKegney. So yeah, that was super. Thank you so much, Rob, for uh, speaking with us, taking some time out for us tonight. Yeah. Huge, huge, huge. Thanks to Rob again for coming out. Uh, this is the first time we've done a special guest episode. So we were even nervous about how to do it, how to approach it. And then with Wes talking to Rob before, we're like, well, let's see if he wants to come out and talk. And he's well known on the independent circuit. I mean, you know, even he said uh, Channing Decker's out there hustling. Like, he is, man. I can vouch for that. I've seen Decker. He's always out there doing stuff. So, you know, it was good to learn about his upcoming in Ontario, too, and coming to Canada and learning and, like, watching wrestling and how it was always wrestling for him. And it's friggin' awesome, man. That was fun. That was super fun. Um, Before we go... We have to talk about our Facebook pages. Yeah, we we decided that we would create a new Facebook page, and this is our third one. And you know, I'm I'm dreaming big, and I'm thinking, you know, who knows what else we can do? But this is so exciting. Uh, Jesse came up with a fantastic name, and we're posting ads and clippings and anything from all over the world now not just ontario not just the wild man but everywhere and the traffic has already been fantastic it's not even a week right it's what three days old not not even three days it's been about a day i made it yesterday oh okay so that means i posted stuff already on it so yeah yeah like yeah we've been posting already historians are coming in uh the group is called national wrestling clipping alliance yeah it's a fantastic name it's just so cool great name i'm I'm happy that you uh you came up with uh, that idea although he had a bunch of other ideas too like wes's slap happy cripping clipping ad show and stuff like that so that that didn't really appeal to us so but uh it's it's so cool and we've still got the wild man tribute page and ontario wrestling clippings of the past which we're still heavily involved in and we love all the people out there to uh like the page come on board uh, see what's going on. Uh, let us know uh, via the Facebook pages if you want to see anything else, or you're interested in this, or your or your own story about any kind of wrestling that you would have went to young when you know you were younger, or when uh, you were an adult, or anything. We just we just want to share. That's right. Just share everything, right? Just yeah, yeah. I've been uh, uh, the reason we like to share too is. We get joy out of bringing back memories. Remember I posted in the Maple Leaf uh, Wrestling Archive group a clipping, and some guy's like, dude, I've been looking for this event for years. Like, this was my first ever wrestling show, and you just posted the clipping of it. And I'm just like, dude, like, save it to your phone, man. Like, yeah, it's like so many people have shared with me, and I believe in my heart, and after everything, learning about your friend Terry Dart, like, he would want to be his collection be posted online. He would be, if he was still here, he would be helping us with these groups and posting online and educating too. Right. So now we have the Ontario wrestling clippings of the past, right. Where we focus purely on Ontario. We have the wild man where we first, we, we focus on Dave 
And then now we have National Wrestling Clippings Alliance, and we already have historians jumping in on the action and posting, hey, looking in Ohio, hey, looking in New York, right? Today I posted in Hawaii, uh, in Texas, like anywhere and anywhere. We're just trying to get everyone together and post and talk and keep the wrestling history alive. Keep the wrestling history alive and share it out, Freddie. It's 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 it, what my mantra is, and and you're learning it too, and it's it's awesome. I love it. I absolutely love it. It's 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 the cat's ass. That's right. And we're also on Twitter at Wildman Podcast. Um, our Twitter follows have come up, and it's fantastic. I'm on there making connections. I talk to our guy, our our fellow Ring a Ding Dong Dandy guys out there in Calgary and uh Dave from Toronto is always commenting on my Twitter. Apparently wrestling Dave. Apparently a lot of guys know who he is. Um but the big thing for us is the email. We're gonna repeat it once again. If you're if you email us a request for what did you watch or a review of the show or topics of the show just information of what you think of me and Wes and how we are doing uh, after seven episodes. If you email that to Wes and Jesse Wildman one at gmail.com. That's W E S A N D J E S S E W I L D M A N one at gmail.com. If you email us a review of the show or something for what did you watch or anything like that that involves with the show and your shipping information, we will send you out a piece of wrestling history just for our mistake of the email from last month's episode on the Whipper Watson one. Yep, and 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 we have absolutely no problems uh, helping out other people looking for stuff. Um, we're thinking about putting. Uh, little booklets together for different wrestlers. If anyone has anything like that, they would like to see, let us know. We'll figure something out. It's just, we're so excited to be sharing here. And uh, Jesse, as usual, I want to say thank you very much for being the technical advisor. And uh, I guess we're going to probably say bye-bye, right? Yeah. uh, Next month, we're doing another special guest. Um. If all things go correct, we should have Paige Sutherland on here next yes. month. And, and we're going to talk about her father, Kurt Von Hess. Yeah, he's a uh, he's an icon here in Ontario and he worked he worked all over North America. Paige huge has, name in Detroit. Yeah, oh, huge in Detroit. Yeah, they have the NWA World Tag Team titles in, in Detroit. Uh um she has um doing a marvelous job of keeping her father's memory alive. And when I find always, when I find a new bill, big bill, Terry, uh, clipping or ad or something somewhere, I send it right away to her because she's chronologic, uh, doing a chronology of, uh, of her father's career still. And she was young. Um, but she's got fantastic wrestling memories about traveling with, uh, on the wrestling circuits with him. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Another interesting interview. Hopefully it goes as well as this one that did with Rob, man. Yep. That's going to be great. Hopefully great. And I still, I'm, I'm blown away by Rob that I'm just so excited. So, yeah, that was awesome. That was good. So good. Way to be Jesse. Until next month, everybody.
I'm Jess. And I'm Wes. And we are well, the we Ontario used- Wildmen. Wildmen, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.